Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through.
Hello, folks, and thank you for once again coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, the part of our part of the conservative conversation, and play the entire song tonight. Though it took me a little bit of time to get on, you probably noticed, um, but we will have to soldier on uh, with uh, this impeachment apparently, since it's not going to be uh, dismissed. Which for Gerda Ill. Uh, and of course, there's other things we have to, to soldier on with uh, outside of uh, politics, and uh, perhaps I'm going to have to do that again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, with that. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to play it each show by show. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, well, we got the impeachment going on, and – uh, of course, the Democrats tried to amend, uh, make some amendments, which right now the Republic, or at least then, uh, the Republicans have uh, stood by each other, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder, uh, along party lines, uh, that these amendments uh, were, uh, they failed. Uh, there was 11 of them, I believe. And so we'll see how long uh, that, uh, the, that the Republicans uh, will you know, will stay uh, voting along you know, those party lines uh, to do that. Now uh, tonight, we, you know, we're going to talk about what are, what are the real uh, motivations uh, behind not only this impeachment, uh, but why the Democrats even did those amendments last night. And we'll get you in, Kelly. Uh, or put, you know, why, why are they pushing for more? I mean, documents. Why are they pushing for? Uh, witnesses, and I think it may be for reasons other uh, than what you think. Uh, I think that, uh, and I was thinking this last night while spending the evening uh, watching at least you know some of the uh, the talking for the the amendments, is that I think that the Democrats purposely, and if you're texting me, I'll. I'll have to try to text you back later uh, because I'm hearing some text. But I think the Democrats might have purposely, you know, were negligent or flubbed up the House impeachment inquiry. <gasps> People might be like, what? Why would they do that? I think the reason why they did that, presented the quote-unquote evidence that they did, the witnesses they did, handle things that the way they did, did is that I think they purposely messed it up. And, and but why would they do that? And these are just my, you know, my contentions. Is that by not calling everyone that they wanted or needed, or not having all the documents that they wanted or needed? was done purposely as a setup for the Dem the, the Senate Democrat I mean the, the Senate Republicans. Knowing that they would come back after holding the impeachment while they can get more so called evidence, maybe even fabricate some like these uh things from Lev Parnas, which of course now we're see- seeing that uh he's he might cause the Democrats some trouble with, with uh who he really is. But, it, but maybe they want to put this in the in the Democrat in the Republicans' hands, saying, "Hey, look, we need all this stuff. We need more witnesses. We need more documents." But why? Why would they want 
to do that? Why would they want to have, you know, oh, well, we got to have this. So the Senate's got to allow these things to come in, allow these witnesses, allow these uh, these documents. They know that de- they know the Republicans aren't going to do it. They know Trump. I think they know his personality well enough. They know the Demo- the Republicans are going to fight on these things, and they knew they were going to fight. And because they knew they were going to fight, what's the term that you're hearing a lot of? Cover-up, cover-up, cover-up. That's the Democrats' new word. I think that they flubbed up the House inquiry so they can so they can put needing more evidence, so-called evidence, through documents and witnesses on the hands of the Senate, knowing that the Senate was going to turn them down. Just and, and it may even be for you know pure uh, partisan politics, but they knew the Republicans are going to do it. They knew it. So they wanted to have where the Democrats and Republicans did just what they wanted and said, no, we're not going to do it. Why? So they could say the Republicans are covering, some, are covering it up, are doing a cover-up. Now they know – they know, and I mean they, the, the, the Democrats know – that there's even even with Collins, Romney, Alexander, Murkowski, you know Gardner, Burr, uh, and still we and, and McSally, and, and I think we still need uh, if there are these are your representatives, in, you know, in your state, you still need to reach out to them, even though they, you know, apparently they voted against these amendments, but you know, we'll see how far that goes, that they stand shoulder to shoulder with the Republicans, the rest of their party. But even with them, even if all what seven of those senators voted with the Democrats, that's only what fifty votes. That's not even fifty-one. They would only even have fifty votes. That's not even a majority. It'd be split down the middle. If, if, that's if every single one of those Republicans and every single Democrat voted to remove them. And, and I think there's some Democrats out there that may not. And we talked about which ones it would be last week. Maybe we'll bring them up again tonight. Especially if I can remember one of the, their names. The guy from West Virginia. I don't. I don't know if he'll vote to remove. But even then, even with those seven Democrat, those seven Republicans, they're only still going to have maybe maybe fifty votes. Oh no! Wait, no, no, forty-seven plus. I'm sorry, fifty-four votes. I apologize. My math was off there. Because uh, the, they've been voting forty-seven, fifty-three uh, for these amendments. So. 47 7, I apologize. That's 54. Even with 54, now they're going to show that, you know, a majority of the House, I mean, Senate, majority of the Senate wants the removal, but they need 67. And they know they're not going to get 67 Republicans to do that. They know that. The most they can get is 54 votes. And if you get a few Democrats, um, um, Manchin, I think that was last name. Especially if you get, you know, to the, I think the most vote they could get to remove is 54. They know that. But why on with the charade? Well, because they want that new term, cover up, to go into the presidential election. They want to be able to make commercials. And Suzette will get you in as well. Uh, I'll be telling them to that. They want to be able to make commercials 
that say, do you want to vote for a president? And, and not just a president, but do you want to vote for a congressman? And here's what they're going to rely on, folks. They did win the House. You know, and, and what, 31 Trump districts that voted for Trump voted further. Now we, uh, you know, analyze why that is. And so they're thinking we're going to gain more in the House. And then when he, and they're not even worried about gaining more in the House, they want the Senate. They want the Senate. So they want to be able to go and, and, and in these elections and say, these senators are corrupt. These senators did have a. a that you know, these senators are, are a cover up for, for President Trump because they know they can't beat Trump in 2020. It's, it, they know they can't do it. So then what they can promise is, see, there was 54 votes in the Senate to remove Trump. Okay, if you elect us, we can get rid of Trump when he gets reelected because he's going to get reelected. So then they could do this all over again, but we got to get uh, more more senators in there. We got to get more senators because they voted, uh, you know, they voted to cover up Trump's, you know, crimes. So if we get enough senators in this time, we're going to need it. And think about it: the Democrats are going to use almost the same strategy that – and I think that the Republicans did in 2012. 2012, I think the Democrats – I mean the Republicans coordinated Romney, really pushed for Romney to be the nominee because they knew he was going to win because they wanted Romney to win, knowing he was the weakest candidate to go up against uh, Obama. He, he was. He was the weakest of all the candidates to have gone against Obama. Why would they do that? Because I think that it was more important for the Republicans to have the House, and knowing if Obama got reelected, that the House is going to go to the Republicans. One, historically, that usually that, that happens. So those kind of things happen historically. Plus, they thought the American people like to have a balance of power in, in the government. That's the that's the conventional wisdom. We've talked about that before on the show. Uh, as well, the conventional wisdom, the, and here's this. I, and personally, I think that's to the, the the country's folly. That's to the American voters' folly, in my opinion, because we see what you know a split you know split power has done. I mean, I mean, do you, do you think if the if the Democrats did not win the House that this would happen? Now, not all not not all of them you know ran, who won ran the, to impeach Trump. Some of them did. But a lot of them, you know, they ran as moderates, and they ran as, oh, I'm, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm your guy or I'm your gallism. All, you know, all the other Democrats suck, but mine don't. And we've we've discussed that. So I think this whole thing is a ploy. And then I've got an audio clip, and then I'll bring you uh, you guys in. Uh, and this is from former spokesman for the Democratic senatorial campaign, and it's Brad uh, Woodhouse. Now, here's a little hint uh, for you, is that he let slip, and I spelled one wrong, <laughs> O-M-E instead of O-N-E. But he lets one of the reasons um, why, why the Democrats are keep, you know, 
with the impeachment, with the Russian collusion, and then once Russian collusion, I mean, once the impeachment's done, then it might be you know impeachment 2.0, or it's going to be it's always it's going to be something. It's always going to be something. And remember what I said that the Democrats are trying to do. Okay, especially in this election, right? With all this stuff going on. Well, a short clip, and, and, and you'll you, you catch it. And remember, this is something that we talk, and I'm not going to reveal it. But this is something we've talked about months ago, back during the Russian collusion stuff, on what the Democrats are trying to do, what their what, what their strategy is. And he and he he lets it, you know, purposely. He don't even realize what he's talking about, but he lets it slip. But this is Brad uh, Woodhouse again. He was the uh, for, he was a former Democrat senatorial campaign uh, committeeman. Polls earlier. There's some interesting polling on independents, uh, the, the one group people on both sides are desperately hoping to sway, that they have sort of a scandal fatigue. The Mueller thing, Russia, Ukraine, they, to them it's just kind of in one ear and out the other. They, they can't figure out where one claim stops and starts, and they've sort of like tuned out now. Yeah. Well, well, well the, all the scandals involve the president. So the one thing to do if they're really fatigued is to get rid of, uh, is to get rid of President, uh, get rid of President Trump. But you're right. I mean, independent. Let me play that again. Polls earlier. There's some interesting polling on independents, uh, the, the one group people on both sides are desperately hoping to sway, that they have sort of a scandal fatigue. The Mueller thing, Russia, Ukraine. They, to them, it's just kind of in one ear and out the other. They, they can't figure out where one claim stops and starts. And they've sort of like tuned out now. Yeah. Well, well, all the scandals involve the president. So the one thing to do if they're really fatigued is to get rid of uh, is to get rid of president uh, get rid of President Trump. But you're right. I mean, independent. What did I say? What did I say months ago? What a part of their strategy is. Why they keep going on and on and on and on and on. And on. What did I say months ago? They are trying to. Give no, I said tired. I didn't use fatigue. So same thing, just a different term, synonyms. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get voters, and they mentioned specifically independence, but I said voters. They're trying to get uh, so tired of all this stuff that they're doing, all this stuff, Trump, Trump, Trump. And as he said, well, if they're so fatigued, get rid of Trump. I'm telling you, I said it months ago. <laughs> That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep spinning this stuff, keep spinning this stuff, keep spinning this stuff. To get people tired, say, you know what? I don't give a flying fart on who the Democrats put up. I'm going to vote for them because there's no way they're going to go through, you know, there's no way that we're going to have to go through as much crap and hear all this stuff on the media as we are now, all these scandals. Let me tell you something. During the Obama administration, there's plenty of scandals to be talked about. But nothing like this, nothing like with Trump with the hatred and the split of the country. But you, you know what? A, a third time. I'm going to play this again because this is very revealing. And again, you've heard it here on Bart's Logic months before this guy said it. Polls earlier. There's some interesting polling on independents, uh, the, the one group people on both sides are desperately hoping to sway, that they have sort of a scandal fatigue. The Mueller thing, Russia, Ukraine, they. To them, it's just kind of in one ear and out the other. They, they can't figure out where one claim stops and starts, and they've sort of like tuned out now. Yeah. Well, well, well the, all the scandals involve the president. 
So the one thing to do if they're really fatigued is to get rid of uh, is to get rid of President uh, get rid of President Trump. But you're right. I mean, independent. And he stuttered. And he stuttered. Get rid of get get rid of get rid of Donald, President Trump. He let it slip. He he let it slip. That's what they're doing. I don't hear you know. I don't hear. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't hear anybody else saying that. And it took and it took a Democrat to let it slip. The Republicans are putting that out there. No, I'm not blaming the Republicans or any of the other people out there. Um, I haven't heard it, but I mean, I listened to a lot of them, and I haven't heard anybody say anything about that yet. But that that's where it's at. And I think if more people hear that, that's what we need to guard against it. That's what I'm saying. If you're out there, you know, and you know, we're not, you know, a, a, we're not a Sean Hannity. We're not a Mark Levin. You know, we're not, we're not any of those folks. We're, you know, we don't have millions of listeners. You know, out there. But I'm telling you what, I, and I firmly think, firmly believe that you know a lot of things that you know we we talk about go on this on the show is, is you know the head of the game, and you know share the link, share the you know these things because I'm telling you this is not a he let it slip, and this is the first offer. This is the first I've heard of it. People need to hear this. More people, and, and I don't know how many people. I'm sure there's yay it was heard on. Uh, eleven. It was eleven something at night, you know, Eastern time. Uh, on I can't remember which which box though. The um, it's the one after Laura Ingram. So I can't remember the name, the name of the show right now. But it was during that, so I'm sure a ton of people seen it. Now whether they were like, oh my gosh, haha. But let's be honest. I mean, we're, I mean, it's eleven something at night. Most people are, you know, get ready to go to bed <laughs> to go to work the next day. You know, so I don't know how many people heard that. Uh, and I think it, it, you know, it goes to be said, you know, played again. And that, you know, so anyway, let's go ahead. I, I've talked enough. I've monopolized uh, about 18 minutes worth of the the show. Let's go ahead and get uh, Kelly in, then we'll get to that uh, in the show, and uh, uh, we'll move from there. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, well, doing all right. Uh, well, yesterday I watched the first day of it, a good chunk of it, and. Uh, Oh, I'm rested up because I kept falling asleep whenever Schiff was talking. <laughs> I mean, if I was a congressman having to sit through that, I'd bring a stack of comic books. Or or maybe I'd draw cartoons. I don't know. Anyway, so they say all scandals. All scandals are from the executive branch. Really? Really? Then why is that, sir? Why is it that... Every session of Congress, on average, a United States congressman is indicted. Every two years, a United States congressman is indicted by the grand jury. I don't know that. Wrote a book on it, studied it, researched it. So all scandals come from the White House, really? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, by the way, I have a – if this interests people, um, we talked about procedure and stuff. I thought it would be like a trial. Not quite like a trial. There's not going to be many objections. It's just going to be blah, 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 blah. Okay, anyway. So yesterday was um, the Senate resolution, I think it was 460. And that's what McConnell wrote on Monday. And it took him from like 1 in the afternoon East Coast time to like a, about 1 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock at night. 
to finally get the resolution passed because of the 11 amendments. And the 11 amendments were mostly, um, they, they started with, uh, the, the Chief Justice shall subpoena, fill in the blank, documents, persons, officials, witnesses, and all 11 of these got shot down. They're tabled. Tabled means we'll consider it later, not uh, not vacated, not void, but just tabled. And the resolution, which I have in my hand here, the resolution does give the Senate the power to subpoena witnesses later. So your normal trial, you start with um, four dire or jury selection, and then you get into uh, opening arguments, and then you get in after the opening arguments from both sides. Uh, then you have uh, evidence and witness and witness testimony on the witness stand, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have closing arguments. So today was closing arguments. Yesterday was a battle of what evidence to get in and what not. So I don't know if you want to hear this resolution. It's really not too long. This resolution of it's come more like a schedule of how things are going to proceed. Um, do, you, do you think that you want to hear this? And, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I believe it's Senate Resolution 460. Now, this is the draft I have in my hand. There's just a couple minor changes. Uh, um, I couldn't find the actual past one. And, um, so last night they passed the resolution, and it's the schedule of how things are going to be done with some details of how things are going to be done. We finally got it passed, but again, this is the draft. So it is pretty close. All right, 116th session. Congress, uh, 116th Congress, second session, Senate Resolution Number Four. I think it's 460. All right, in the United States, Mr. Connell. Uh, okay, resolution to provide for related procedures concerning the articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, President of the United States. Resolved that the House of Representatives shall file its record with the Secretary of the Senate which will consist of those publicly available materials that have been submitted to or produced by the House Judiciary Committee, including transcripts of public hearings or markups and any materials printed by the House of Representatives or the House Judiciary Committee pursuant to House Resolution 660. Materials in this record may be admitted into evidence by motion made after the Senate has disposed of the question of whether it shall be in order to consider and debate under the impeachment rules any motion to subpoena witnesses or documents. What they just said is um, they have to have a motion to subpoena witnesses or documents. All right. All material filed pursuant to this paragraph shall be printed and made available to all parties. The President and the House of Representatives shall have until 9 a.m. on Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020, to file any motions permitted under the rules of impeachment with the exception of motions to subpoena witnesses or documents or any other evidentiary motion. So they can't do it in writing. They have to do it verbally, submit these motions or evidentiary motions. All right. Responses to any such motion shall be filed no later than 11 a.m. on Wednesday, January 22nd. They, they file a motion, and then the opposition has time to file a response. You file your motions 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock comes the responses. All materials filed pursuant to this paragraph shall be filed with the secretary and be printed and made available to all parties. Arguments on such motions shall begin at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, 
January 22nd, 2020, and each side may determine the number of persons to make its presentation, following which the Senate shall deliberate, if so ordered under the impeachment rules, and vote on any such motions. We're not talking about the impeachment. We're talking about the motions, motions of procedure, motions of other whatever procedures they're working on. All right, going on. Following the disposition of such motions, or if no motions are made, then the House of Representatives shall make its presentation in support of the Articles of Impeachment for a period of time not to exceed 24 hours over up to two session days. Okay. They actually change that to three days. 24 hours, three days is eight hours a day. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to hear from the House of Representatives, the Democrats. Following the House of Representatives, Representatives' presentation, the president shall make his presentation for a period not to exceed 24 hours up to three session days. Each side may determine the number of persons to make its presentation. Okay, that's kind of like opening arguments. Upon the conclusion of the president's presentation, senators may question the parties for a period of time not to exceed 16 hours. Upon, and by the way, this resolution can be amended if they want to go longer for questioning parties, uh, say 24, 48, 60 hours. They can amend this resolution. Again, this resolution passed last night. Upon the conclusion of questioning by the Senate, there shall be four hours of arguments by the parties, equally about it, followed by deliberation by the Senate. If so, ordered under the impeachment rules on the question of whether it shall be in order to consider and debate under the impeachment rules any motion to subpoena witnesses or documents. So there's your, your your second chance to file a motion to subpoena witnesses. There you go. Democrats, you're saying, they're withholding the, the, the Republicans in the Senate. No, you still have an opportunity to subpoena witnesses. you got to file a motion first to do it. All right. The Senate, without any intervening action, motion, or amendment, shall then decide by the yeas and nays whether it shall be in order to consider and debate under the impeachment rules any motion to subpoena witnesses or documents. So we saw yesterday was just motions to subpoena witnesses failed, failed, failed 11 times. They have another opportunity after the opening arguments and after the uh, questioning of each party. All right. Following this position of that question, other motions provided under the impeachment rules shall be in order. If the Senate agrees to allow either the House of Representatives or the President to subpoena witnesses, the witnesses shall first be deposed, and the Senate shall decide after deposition which witnesses shall testify pursuant to the impeachment rules. In other words, okay, we agree we're going to interview, we're going to have these witnesses, and so therefore, but they get deposed first. They get deposed, um, and that'll... I don't know if that will be public or private. It doesn't say. All right, so after they depose and they go ahead and get into testifying in front of the Senate. No testimony shall be admissible in the Senate unless the parties have had an opportunity to depose such witnesses. At the conclusion of the deliberations by the Senate, the Senate shall vote on each article of impeachment. And that's the end of the resolution. So that's kind of a schedule. I know it's a little confusing. I had to study it several times. I was talking to my neighbor. We watched the yesterday, yesterday's um, mostly evidentiary motions, and I was explaining this. And it sounds a little confusing, but it's, it's a fight. This document—it's an incredible fight 
for what's going to be allowed as evidence and what is not. Who can testify, who may not? If they are allowed, then they have to be deposed first by both sides. And then they can testify before the Senate. And so it's an interesting – you can get this online. That's what I did. So it's an interesting fight for evidence is really what it is. I'll get back, or if you have any questions. Okay, yeah, um, let me go ahead and um, I got to check on something uh, real quick, and we'll get bring in Suzette. Uh, Suzette, thank you very much for, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm well, thank you, and thank you for taking my call. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Going? Definitely, if you want to, yeah, go ahead and uh, if, if you have any uh, additions or requests for Kelly, and then I've got um, some things you'll want to add myself. But go ahead, uh, Suzette. Thank you. Mhm. Uh, okay. So we have the the rules of the trial, um, but I think what um, what Robert was saying as far as uh, how the Democrats will claim this is a cover up and they're not getting a fair shake in this. They had the opportunity, that is the Democrats, to subpoena, to compel the witnesses and compel the administration to um, cough up the documents that they wanted, but they didn't. They had submitted a request, and uh, the administration, the Trump administration, had claimed executive privilege and said, nope, nobody's going to talk to you, and um, you get no documents. And so at that point, which... It happened with past presidents as well, claiming executive privilege. Then the House would go ahead and subpoena and, and compel, you know, those things to be turned over, and for witnesses to be um, compelling them to testify as well. So because they didn't do that, you know, they're they're trying to do that now. And here's the thing, though: they had the opportunity and they blew it but they're presenting it to the American people as though the Trump administration prevented them, you know, at all avenues from getting those things. So they want to do it now because we didn't get a chance to do it because the president prevented us from doing it when we were doing our investigation in the first part of the impeachment process. Um, And being that they'll be denied or are being denied or however it's going right now with that, um, then it, then they can claim, oh, it's a cover-up. That's why they don't want to turn over those documents or want certain witnesses to testify or won't uh, let us submit further evidence that we have uh, come up with since turning over the impeachment articles to the Senate. So I don't know how that goes. Normally in a, in a court, in a trial, where you have the indictment and the evidence that goes along with that, and when the trial starts, you're not allowed to continue to submit evidence, you know, maybe, well, not after discovery, pretty much discovery, and then you give it to the uh, defendant what you have come up with, but you can't keep investigating, keep adding, and keep adding, and keep adding. You have what you have, and you present it to the court, and that's that's what it is, and the jury decides. So for the Democrats to want to continue to keep investigating and throwing stuff in there, um, as evidence or requesting things, it, it doesn't seem like they should be able to. I don't know. What do you think, Kelly? How does that go? Well, in a normal crime, the uh, 
prosecutor after grand jury indictment can gather more evidence to convict in trial, more so can convince a jury of the guilt. Um, okay. Yeah, so you can, okay. it's an, but, but. But they can't is, add more this, charges though, right? They can't add more articles and as far as impeachment goes and as far as the court of law, they wouldn't be able to add more charges well, as a result of that is, evidence? Well, this is where it's getting, um, it's somewhat like running like a trial, but it's somewhat not. Right. As a reference, what people are familiar with, that's why I keep discussing the idea of a trial, because it helps people understand the impeachment, but yet they're the most powerful legislative body in the world, and they can make up their own rules and do whatever they want with political repercussions. There's very little political repercussions um, in a regular court trial. So there, it's just kind of interesting. So there's part. It, it, this is really a political trial. It's a trial with political opinion. It's political uh-huh. view with trial trial elements. So it's mm-hmm. you know when they do examination later, that's when we might see you know objection, uh, witness testify. But again, they don't. It, it, it's Yes, it's a trial, but it's just it's different. Some some yeah. similarities. I I wish I could. It's a different I wish I could explain this better. Yeah, but there's one thing yeah. interesting. Yeah, I wanted to go to uh, the Democrats' complaint that they Trump is covering everything up. He's covering everything up. He's covering. Look, dude, you guys forgot something really important when you issued your subpoena. They wrote a letter requesting the redneck there. Okay. When they issued they their subpoena They didn't do an issue subpoena. It wasn't they... a valid subpoena. Right. Do you know why the because the body of the House of Representatives did not authorize the House Judiciary Committee to issue subpoenas. So it looks like a I was hurt. Right. I, so, I was told. Okay. Yeah, they, they kind of they kind of skipped that little step there, as a, the House body, if they would have given their authority to the House Judiciary Committee, then the House Judiciary Committee's subpoenas would have been valid. And like in the Nixon situation, uh, Nixon didn't comply by turning over the, the Watergate tapes. They took it mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court, and Supreme Court says, "Yeah, it's a valid subpoena." And Nixon, you need to turn them over. Mm-hmm. I mean, why don't why don't some of the Democrats just write a subpoena on a napkin and send it over to the White House? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And now they're claiming, well, if we would have been able to get the evidence that we wanted, the documents and the testimony, then we could have actually charged him with more. So we want to do that now while we're in the Senate. And it's like, uh, no. <laughs> and it's not they're, a couple what they're of doing. Yeah, what they're doing is they're expecting the Senate to do their job. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the fact that they – whoops, we forgot that little step. I don't think these people were stupid to forget the step that they needed authority from the House body to the House Judiciary Committee. I don't think they were stupid. 
it was possible that at the time the House could, they couldn't get the votes in the House for subpoena power upon the House Judiciary Committee. Maybe that's why they didn't get that power they needed to make it a valid subpoena. So Trump has every right to say, yeah, they may not have had the vote in the body. Right. Uh So Trump can say, you know, it's not valid. Don't don't care. Leave us alone. Take rocks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Here's also another point, because as you mentioned a moment ago, it's it's a trial in the court of public opinion. And so for people who did not see any of the hearings uh, via their investigation, the House's investigation, the first part of the impeachment process, um, what's being presented today and yesterday, but mostly today because uh, the Democrats presented their case against Trump, they're only seeing and getting this well-orchestrated and coordinated uh, presentation with clips of the testimony from from people that testified in those hearings um, and bits and pieces of the transcript. So they're building a case on selective testimony and excerpts from the documents. And they're doing it in such a way that the case that they're presenting is very compelling and that, if again, if you hadn't watched the hearings to know that they're doing this and that they've done that, as far as selectively pick this and that and cut off clips to make it suit their narrative, uh, it, it seems like the Democrats have a case. And then you have the Republicans on the other side of the aisle there who either are facts, 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 and bore you to death with the facts. They're not making an emotional connection like the Democrats are, because you got to add that element because you're fighting the Democrats and they're, they have that emotional aspect of it, that court drama in their presentation. So that also adds to the compelling presentation. Um, and Republicans also do not have any clips that they're playing. They have some you know boards that they put up on an easel that have different, you know, what uh, some of the testimony was, or they'll read it, but it's not as, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's for people who are watching it, they're going, uh, I'm bored, I'm changing the channel, because they're not capturing the attention of the people who are watching it, and it's that's unfortunate. <laughs> they're fighting a battle that, with no, with no opposing team, they're fighting the wrong fight, I guess you could say. Well, would you agree with that? Was that, was that the me or was that for Kelly or both of us? <laughs> oh, both of you. Both, I didn't know you were back. I'm sorry. You said you were you were leaving for a minute. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I got uh, and I've got uh, vocal bite saying something about the audio. So I mean, I, I sounded fine to myself, but I appreciate uh, the input. Uh, maybe we need to get closer to our mics or phones or what have you. But yeah, you know, I see. You. Uh, appreciate it. Um, if you're not getting any, any audio. Is this okay. Yeah, I, I, I heard you all right, but um, I heard okay. Kelly, but. But I just want to bring that out there. Well, I mean, my point is, is 
I mean, yeah, they're talking about maybe witnesses, but that's why I think it's so important to, you know, again, we still need to reach out to those uh, those senators. I mean, again, I mean, do I think this is going to – I mean, tell me, I mean, yeah, you want to put the effort, you know, for because you, you don't want the optics uh, to be bad during the election, and I think that's what the Democrats are trying to do, if, even with the, the, oh, well, let's have witnesses and let's have this, which they still may do. Uh, now, my contention is is – I mean, yeah, you want to you know show that you have transparency and this and that, but here here's the thing, in my opinion. I mean, there's, I don't know if there's some air wind blowing or something, so uh, I might have to mute the mic for out, outside until you come back in. But uh, if you're outside and, and come back in, but anyway, is that and, and they're all oh, well, you know, the, of course they compared all oh, there's all these documents and all these witnesses in the uh, Obama. I'm not the, the Obama impeachment. Yeah, I wish. No, but the. Uh, the Clinton impeachment is back then during the Clinton impeachment, you did not have – let's be honest. You didn't have the level of hatred. The Republicans didn't hate Bill Clinton. They may not have liked him, but I wouldn't dare say they hate him. Trump has a party, and some even less than his own, that vehemently hates him. I mean, they they hate him, and you have a media that parrots, whether truth or not, parrots everything that the Democrats do. That's why I always say on like Twitter and that they live in an echo chamber. I mean, they live in an echo chamber that's so closed off that when it echoes back, the people are actually mimicking the same words exactly, the same words and mm-hmm. phrases as everyone else is. What I call the alphabet media, they say the exact same words and exact in the hopes that hey, you know the old adage: the more you hear something, the more you're going to believe it. And that's what they're hoping for. The more people hear this stuff, they're going to believe it. So whatever quote unquote testimony comes out, whatever these documents say, two things: one, and I mentioned last week, who's to say they haven't been fabricated? Like they fabricated the quote unquote evidence against Kavanaugh when it came to that yearbook. And two, who's to say that they're not going to get this so called evidence on these documents? Say whatever the hell that they're going to want to say about it. The media is going to pick that up as the propaganda, and I say that the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, and, and, and tout what their spin of whatever that document says. Or whatever thing they they cherry picked from the wording from those documents. So why don't you want these things to come out? I think no, not because you're covering it. You want a cover up? Is that the the media and, and the party, their party, it can, they just can't be trusted to not be biased. And, and the media will spin it. And, and again, remember this whole point. This whole impeachment has really. Nothing to do with the removal of President Trump. This has nothing. You know, I mean, I don't know that the Republicans are saying this, that that the Democrats want to remove a duly elected president. Sure, they want that, but they know they're not going to get it. So this impeachment is really nothing about, in my opinion, this impeachment is nothing about removing Donald Trump, President Trump. It's not about that. Because they know it's not going to happen. Okay, you're just not going to get enough Republicans to. Because here's the thing, as Nancy Pelosi says, "Oh, we are impeached forever." 
if Trump were to actually get impeached and removed from office, that's going to be a stain on the Republican Party. That's going to be a state. So the people who would vote to do anything that would assist the Democrats are those like, a, you know, a Romney. And I would dare say, um, you know, you know, maybe a, a Collins, because especially those those two and Burkowski is because are they really Republicans, especially Mitt Romney? Mitt Romney, I mean, I mean, remember we've heard him many times in the show in our audio clip, you know, saying I'm a, you know, I'm a, uh, my, my views are progressive. He's he's just a Republican in name only. We know this, you know. So it's not about removing him. It's about the optics of of you know making commercials, you know, for for the election. And, and again, and it may not even be to try to win the election. The president, because they, they don't have anyone. It may be to try to get the Senate, and then they could try. And I, and t- I should have made this audio clip, but there's already somebody else saying, you know, and you probably heard little snippets of this. Well, Pence knew everything that was going on either. Let me tell you, if they are successful, I know I'm going off a little bit of a tangent, but if they are successful in removing Trump, don't fool yourselves, folks. They're coming after Pence next. They're going to come after Pence next. And and then now of course I don't know if there'd be the timing would be because I mean if they did then they they have to Pence would be president and he'd all he'd have to appoint you know whoever would be the vice president but it wouldn't be I mean I, I I is that how that would work Let's say if they were I mean I know we're getting in the weeds and going down the line it's probably not going to happen but what wouldn't that be it Kelly that if, if she got um if he got impeached and he was removed from office Pence would become president now would Pelosi become vice president or he would appoint one. I'm really not sure on that yeah. one. The chain of command is president, vice president, speaker of the house, so yes, it would be Pelosi, right. and then and then speaker of the Senate, or no, actually president of the Senate, so it's him. And then it goes a chain of command all the way down to postmaster general. <laughs> right, but I mean, but, but, if, but if Trump was to be removed from office, Pence would become president, he'd be sworn in as president, then who would be the vice president? I think that the House Nancy Senate appoint – no, I think the House and Senate appoint that. Oh, that would – yeah, that's a good question, Robert. I'd have to look that up. So when you – I don't think there is one. I don't know. That's Yeah, good question. So There's got to be something set up. And it, yeah, it very well may be – well, it very well might be Nancy Pelosi, and if that is indeed the case, then they're definitely going to go after Pence. <laughs> well, yeah, you get yeah, Pence definitely, yeah, definitely, the, 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 yeah, definitely let president. us know about that. Huh? Yeah, definitely, uh, Nancy Pelosi becomes president if you remove both Trump and Pence. Yeah, but that would have to be done at the same time. I mean, because no, it would take a while to order. impeach. No, so she would become the vice president. Uh, you're saying she'd become the vice president if, well, I'm, I'm not if Trump sure would have been removed from office. I'm not sure. Let's look at Gerald Ford, okay? When Nixon resigned, Gerald Ford became the president. Who was the vice president under Gerald Ford? How did he get there? That's something that Suzette can do an internet search on. I'm actually – I don't mean to be rude. We had a little emergency at the homeless shelter, and I had to show up there. So I won't be available for for a while. 
Okay, well, maybe uh, you know somebody can uh, look that up, or I can. Um, I'll look it up. Look that up. Okay. In the meantime, well, we got some. Um, we uh, do see callers in. Just push the one in number dial. Gets in the show. Um, so I do got some some articles here uh, from the Bard's Logic Talk website on the uh, Bard's Logic newsroom uh, that we'll go over. Now, one of the things is, let's say if later on. You have, uh, you know, they, they do call witnesses. And, of course, they're talking about, oh, well, should we, uh, you know, oh, well, we're going to call this person. I'm going to call that person. And, of course, one of the folks that we think you should be called is, hey, look, you know, let's call the Bidens. Let's call Joe Biden. Let's call Hunter Biden. Uh, and, of course, you know, you know, Schiff is, oh, there's, he has nothing relevant to the case. Actually, Hunter Biden has something more relevant than Biden, but actually, you know where you know where Biden, you know where Biden could be a uh, a witness for this impeachment trial for the you know is put him up there and make him admit about his uh, quid pro quo. Let him, he, he's going to have to stay. He's going to have to stand there and be questioned about his quid pro quo about getting that Ukrainian prosecutor fired. So if they do allow uh, witnesses, call him. Because here's the thing: it, make it be televised, put it on there, you know, and let say, look. And then, then one thing I don't: why don't I hear this? With that, one of the things I say with his abuse of power is he's having a uh, he's having a political opponent investigated, or the family of a political opponent investigated. Well, wait, well, wait, wait a minute. Didn't the Obama administration's DOJ and FBI, mm-hmm. through fake FISA, through 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 fake FISA? Okay, you know what the FISA were fake. But you know the fake fake information gets the FISA. Were they not? And the, remember, the dossier was bought and paid for by the Clinton campaign. Isn't the where the Democrats in Obama and in Clinton, Clinton paying for the dossier, weren't they having a political rival investigated through the DOJ and the FBI because of the fake doss, uh, fake dossier, steel dossier, the, to get the fake to get the the, the FISA warrants to. That the spy on the uh, on Trump and the campaign. Mm-hmm. This is where we're talking about projection. Okay. I mean, I mean, that's what I'm saying. The Democrats are projecting, like, oh well, we need to impeach Trump because he's trying to, you know, put pressure on a foreign government to a foreign government to investigate, you know, a political rival. They make it point. Uh, Biden was a political rival. Well, wasn't wasn't uh, Donald Trump a political rival of of Hillary Clinton? Yes. Would, would they the Obama administration use their power in the FBI and the DOJ to investigate the Trump campaign? Isn't that the same thing? And foreign countries. Yeah, yes. and, yeah, and foreign countries. So again, the Democrats are trying to blame something on a Republican that they themselves are guilty of. 
So that when the mm-hmm. fingers start getting pointed at them, they're like, no, 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 there's nothing to see here. Look at these guys. This is what Trump did when they're the ones who actually did it. And they're actually being investigated with Barr and Durham, which I can't wait to, for this impeachment thing to be over because then maybe we can actually you know, focus on what they find, which again, frankly, all this hoopla that all of us, including myself, are getting all worked up and fired up and doing all these shows and media and stuff for. All the, the, the American people are you know, all riled up and, and ready for a possible civil war amongst ourselves. We're getting all worked up. And after the impeachment stuff, and after the Durham stuff, and after the bar stuff, nothing's going to happen. No one's going to be held accountable. I, I, unfortunately, I still think that. I still think after after all this, nothing's going to happen. No, nothing's going to happen to Trump. You know, he's not going to be removed, stuff like that. But nothing's going to happen to the other side who caused all this either. They're just mm-hmm. not. Nothing, I don't think anyone's going to get. I don't think anyone is going to be held accountable for anything. I agree. Which makes us, which makes me wonder, like, why all this? Why they want to get us so riled up that we're, 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 you know, we're, we're almost, we're on the verge of a civil war. No, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. You guys know that. But it does make me think, like, hmm, if, if, if no heads roll, not literally, you know, we're not in, you know, France, ancient France, not ancient, but. You know, but but really, if I no one is held accountable, then all this was for nothing, really. Except it was all of it was a shit show. But, I mean, if no one's held accountable, who knows? Maybe in the second uh, his second term, you know, people actually be held accountable. But but who knows? I mean, when you have a complicit media who is willing to uh, you know hide corruption, um, and, and that actually gets me to. Um, my article here, uh, again, it's on the uh, the Bard's Lodge Cloak Talk website on the newsroom page. It says, how five members of Joe Biden – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I have your answer for you real quick as far as the – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. Uh, oh, we lost Kelly. The, I hope he gets he's able to come back. Go ahead. After the president – of course, we know it's the vice president. After the vice president, it is the, the speaker of the House, Nancy – well, in this case, Nancy Pelosi – then it's the transportation secretary of Nancy Pelosi, the vice president, and president aren't there. And there's like 18 people down the line. There's the next one would be um, Pompeo, then Barr, and then it would have been Rick Perry because he was the secretary of energy, but um, he's not there anymore. But anyway, so it's a big old long line. Uh, pro, there's a president pro tem, which would be Chuck Grassley in this case, secretary of state, which is Pompeo, secretary of treasury, secretary of defense. U.S. Attorney General, Secretary of Interior, Secretary of Agriculture, uh, Secretary of Commerce. Yeah, but I mean, but but is Pelosi would be the third in line. Right, she's the third in line, but would she become vice president if a president is impeached? No. Yeah, I know she's third in line, but I mean, if Trump is impeached, does that push her up to vice president? No, no. No, there would have to be an election. The only play, the only time she could would be if those two were gone, and that's it. But other than that, she stays where she's at. But then, who's the vice president until uh, until the election? Yes, until until the next election. Is there a a special election or no? There would just be the regular election. Let me get that so I can get the specific wording. Go ahead with the article. 
Okay. Yeah, and so here we've got um, – it says how five members of Joe Biden's family got rich through his connections. Um, I already had that. It says uh, political figures have long used their families to route power and benefit for their own self-enrichment. And, oh, this is somebody touting a book, but still. Okay. It says uh, – in my new book, Profiles and Corruption, Abuse of Power by Americans' Progressive Elites, one particular politician, Joe Biden, emerges as the king of the sweetheart deal with no less than five family members from his largesse, favorable access, and uh, powerful position for commercial gain. In Biden's case, these deals include foreign partners and, in some cases, even U.S. taxpayer dollars. Uh, the Biden family's apparent self-enrichment involves five family members. Joe Sunhunter, son-in-law Howard, brother James and Frank, and sister Valerie. Damn, Sarah Biden is kind of hot. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> it says, when the subject came up in 2019, Biden declared, I've never talked with my son or my brother or anyone else, even distant family, about their business. Joe Biden's younger brother, James, has been an integral part of the family political machine from the earliest days when he served as finance chair of Joe's 1972 Senate campaign, and two have remained quite close. After Joe joined the U.S. Senate, he would bring his brother James along on congressional delegation trips to places like Ireland, Rome, and Africa. When Joe became vice president, James was a welcomed, welcomed guest at the White House, securing invitations to such important functions as a state dinner in 2011 and the visit of Pope Francis in 2015. Sometimes James' uh, White House visits uh, dovetailed with his overseas business dealings, and his commercial opportunities flourished during his brother's tenure as vice president. Consider the case of Hillstone International, a subsidiary of the huge construction management firm Hill International. The president of Hillstone International was Kevin Justice, who grew up in Delaware and was a longtime Biden family friend. On November 4, 2010, according to White House visitors' logs, uh, Justice visited the White House and met with Biden advisor Michelle Smith in the office of the vice president. Less than three weeks later, Hillstone announced that James Biden would be joining the firm as an executive vice president. James appeared to have little or no background in housing construction, but, uh, but that did not seem to matter to Hillstone. His bio on the company's website noted his, quote, 40 years of experience dealing with principles in business, political, legal, and financial circles across the nation and internationally. James Biden was joining Hillstone just as the firm was starting negotiations to win a massive contract in war-torn Iraq. Six months later, the firm announced a contract to build 100,000 homes. It was part of a $35 billion, 500,000-unit project deal won by the track development, a South Korean company. Hillstone also received a $22 million U.S. federal government contract to manage construction projects for the State Department. David Richter, son of the parent company's founder, was not shy in explaining Hillstone's success in securing government contracts. It really helps, he told investors at a private meeting, to have the brother of the vice president as a partner, according to someone who was there. I wish they'd quote people's names, but anyway. It says, the Iraq project was massive. 
perhaps the single most lucrative project for the firm ever. In 2012, uh, Charlie Gasparino, uh, uh, yeah, Gasparino uh, of Fox Business reported that Hillstone officials expected the project to generate $1.5 billion in revenue over the next three years. That's a quote. That amounted to more than three times the revenue the company produced in 2011. A group of minority partners, including James Biden, stood to split about $735 million. There's plenty of money for everyone if this project goes through, said one company official. <clears throat> Again, I wish I'd name them, though. says, uh, the deal was all set, but Hillstone made a crucial error. In 2013, the firm was forced to back out of the contract because of a series of problems, including a lack of experience by Hill and track development its South Korean associate, associate firm. But Hillstone continued doing significant contract work in the embattled country, including a six-year contract with the U.S. Corps of Engineers. James Biden remained with Hill International, which accumulated contracts from the federal government for dozens of projects, including projects in the United States, Puerto Rico, uh, Mozambique, and elsewhere. With the election of his father as vice president, Hunter, Bonnie, Hunter Biden launched businesses fused to his father's power that led him, to, led him to lucrative deals with a rogue gallery of governments and oligarchs around the world. Sometimes he would uh, hitch a prominent ride with his father aboard Air Force Two to visit a country where he was courting business. Other times the deal would be done more discreetly. Always they involved foreign entities that appeared to be seeking something from his father. There was, for example, Hunter's involvement in an entity called Burnham Financial Group, whereas business partner Devin Archer, who'd been, uh, who'd been at a Yale with Hunter, sat on the board of directors. Burnham became the vehicle for a number of murky deals abroad involving connection, uh, connected oligarchs in Kazakhstan and state-owned business in China. But one of the most troubling Burnham, uh, Burnham ventures was here in the United States, in which Burnham – became the center of a, a center of a federal investigation involving a $60 million fraud scheme against one of the poorest Indian tribes in America, the Ugala Sioux. Devin Archer was arrested in New York in May 2016 and charged with orchestrating a scheme to defraud investors and a Native American tribal entity of tens of millions of dollars. Other victims of the fraud include several public and union pension plans. Although Hunter Biden was not charged in the case, his fingerprints were all over Burnham. The legitimacy that his name and political status as the vice president's son lent to the plan was brought up repeatedly in the trial. The scheme was explicitly designed to target pension funds that had, quote, socially responsible investing, unquote, clauses, including pension funds of labor union organizations that had publicly supported Joe Biden's political campaign in the past. Indeed, eight of the 11 pension funds that lost their money were either government employee or labor union pension funds. Joe Biden has a, quote, a longstanding alliance with labor, unquote. He closely identifies with organizational laborers, quote, I make no apologies, he said, and I am a union man, period. And many, many public unions have endorsed him over the years. Uh, transcripts from Archer's trial offer a clearer picture of Hunter Biden's role at Burnham assessment management in particular. The fact that the firm relied on his father's name and political status 
as a means of both recruiting pension money into the scheme and alleviating investors' concerns. Tim Anderson, a lawyer who did legal work on the insurance of tribal bonds, recounts seeing Hunter while visiting the Burnham office in New York City to meet with Bevan Cooney, who was later convicted in the case. Uh, the political ties that Biden and Archer were considered key to the Burnham brand. As stated in an August 2014 email, Jason Galanis, who was convicted in the bond scheme, agreed with an unidentified associate who also thought that the company had, quote, value beyond capital, end quote, uh, because of their political connections. In closing arguments at the trial, one of Archer's defense attorneys, Matthew Schwartz, explained to the jury that it was impossible to talk about the bond scheme without mentioning Hunter Biden's name. This was a, quote, perfectly sensible, unquote, according to Schwartz, because, quote, because Hunter Biden was part of the Burnham team. It would be a dream for any new company to announce their launch in the Oval Office at 1600 Pennsylvania. Startup Health is an investment consultancy based out of New York City, and in June 2011, the company barely had a website. The firm was the brainchild of three siblings from Philadelphia. Stephen Klein is CEO and co-founder, while his brother, Dr. Howard Klein, served as chief medical officer. Sister Barry uh, serves as the firm's chief strategical officer, a friend named Unity Stokes as a co-founder and served as president. Startup Health was barely up and running when in 2011, two of the company's executives were ushered into the Oval Office of the White House. They met with President Barack Obama and Vice President Joe Obama. The following day, the new company would be featured at a large healthcare tech conference being run by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And startup health executives became regular visitors to the White House, attending events in 2011, 2014, and 2015. How did uh, startup health gain access to highest levels of power in Washington? There was nothing particular unique about the company but for this. The chief medical officer of Startup Health, Howard Krein, or, yeah, Krein, K-R-E-I-N, is married to Joe Biden's youngest daughter, Ashley. I happened to be talking to my father-in-law that day, and I mentioned Steve and Unity were down there in Washington, D.C., recalled Howard Krein. He knew the Startup Health was a big fan of it. He asked Steve's number, and I said, I have to get them up here uh, to talk with Barack. The Secret Service came and got Steve and Unity and brought them to the Oval Office. Startup Health offers to provide new companies technical and relationship advice in exchange for stake in the business, demonstrating the, and highlighting the fact that you engage for a stake in the business. Oh, demonstrating highlight the fact that you can score a meeting with the President of the United States certainly helps prove a strategic company assets high-level contact. Vice President Joe Biden continued to help Crine promote his company at several appearances through his last month in the White House, including one in January 2017, where he made a surprise showing up at Startup Health Festival in San Francisco. The corporate event opened up a Startup Health member, enabling the 250 people in attendance to chat in a closed ses session with the vice president. And uh, before we move on to what they got here uh, for Frank Biden – uh, let's go ahead and did you get any more information on that, uh, Suzette? And I do believe have I did. Uh, I Kelly did, back I did. Uh, here. We're going to be able to talk, and then we I think we have John on the line. Go ahead, uh, okay. Susan. No, Suzette. Okay. Um, according to ushistory.org, 
Uh, once the president is removed from office, the vice president slips in, and then the pres- he becomes a president, and then he shall nominate a vice president who shall take the place, uh, the office, upon uh, confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. So he, Pence would become president, and then he chooses his vice president, and then they have to vote on it in both houses um, for the confirmation. And, uh, yeah, so that's it. Well, great. Well, thank you very much on that. And we got John on, I believe. Uh, so let's open up uh, his mic, uh, and then we'll get to the next part of the of the article there because th- this is stuff, you know, we're he- we're hearing about things a little bit, but not a lot. And mm-hmm. it would be great to have – uh, these type of things brought up in, in the court if the if the Democrats want to uh, call for for witnesses, and I think the Republicans should have Biden uh, or even any of the Bidens, Joe Biden, and maybe even this next guy we're going to talk about uh, on. But thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, I was just going to confirm what um, Suzette just said. That's Amendment 25. Remember, about three or four weeks ago, we brought this up, and I was reading about it. Sections one and two of Amendment 25. Exactly what Suzette just said. That's authoritative law. Thank you. Oh, thank you, John. Okay, and then going on, and Kelly, you see on the line, just push one when you're next in. We see other callers again. Push one on your number dial if you'd like to get in. And this is about Frank Biden. Now, I haven't heard a lot about Frank Biden. I don't know if anyone really has. Um, I, I don't ever hear uh, hear about him. So this might be some uh, some new information or even a new name. Um, again, I haven't heard much about him. But anyway, who? I have here says uh, Frank Biden, Joe Biden's brother. Who? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Good point. Good. Good catch. Good catch. Um, and so, uh, no, let's see. It says in late March, 2009, vice president Joe Biden landed in Costa Rica. Oh, maybe he's visiting Jurassic Park now, but anyway, <laughs> Costa Rica abroad air, uh, aboard air force two and went to Costa Rican presidential palace for a one-on-one with president Oscar Arias. The Biden, uh, Visit had symbolic significance. The last time a high-ranking American official visited the country was back in 1997 when Bill Clinton had come. Joe Biden's trip to Costa Rica came at a fortuitous time for his brother Frank, who was busy working deals in the country. Hmm. Uh, just months after Vice President's visit in August, Costa Rica News announced a new multilateral partnership to reform real estate in Latin America. Among Frank Biden, a developer named Craig Williamson, and Guan Castle Country Club, a newly planned resort. The partnership, which appears to be ongoing, was wrapped in a beautiful package as a, quote, call on resources available to companies and individuals to reform the social, economic, and environmental practices of real estate developers across the world, by example, end quote. In real terms, Frank's dream was to build the jungles of Costa Rica, thousands of homes, a world-class golf course, casinos, and an anti-aging center. Oh, I like that one. I should go there. Uh, The Costa Rican government was eager to cooperate with the vice president's brother. As it happened, Joe Biden had been asked by President Obama to act as the administration's point man in Latin America and the Caribbean and and Ukraine. But (laughs) I added that one. 
It said, Frank's vision for a country club in Costa Rica received support from the highest levels of the Costa Rican government, despite his lack of experience in building such developments. He met with the Costa Rican ministers of education and energy and environment, as well as the president of the country. On October 4, 2016, uh, the Costa Rican Ministry of Public Education signed a letter of intent with Frank's company, Sun Fund Americas. The project involved allowing a company go, called Go Solar to operate solar power facilities in Costa Rica. The previous year, the Obama-Biden administration, uh, OPEC, had authorized a $6.5 million taxpayer-backed loan for the project. Hmm, taxpayer back. In June 2014, Vice, uh, Vice President Biden announced the launch of the Caribbean Energy Securities Initiative. Uh, initiative. The program called for increasing access to financing for Caribbean energy projects that he strongly supported. American taxpayer dollars were dedicated to facilitating deals that matched U.S. government uh, financing with local energy projects in Caribbean countries, including Jamaica. In January 2015, NewSed announced that it would be sending, set spending $10 million to boost renewable energy projects in Jamaica over the next five years. After Joe Biden brought together leaders for CESI, brother Frank's firm, Sun Fund Americas, announced that it was, quote, engaged projects and is in negotiations with governments of other countries in the Caribbean region for both its solar and waste-to-energy development services. As if to push the idea along, the Obama, the Obama administration's OPEC provision or provided a $47.5 million loan to support the construction of a 20-megawatt solar facility in Clarendon, Jamaica. Frank Biden's Sun Fund Americas later announced that it had signed a power purchase agreement to build a 20-megawatt solar facility in Jamaica. So, hmm. So, and then there's one uh, last one. It's not as long, but this one is another name. I don't know how many people have heard of this name, and that's Valerie Biden. I never heard of Valerie before myself. Uh, but it says during his uh, years in the Senate, Biden's family benefited financially in other ways as he leveraged political power. Joe's sister, Valerie, ran all of his Senate campaigns as well as his presidential runs in 1988 and 2008. But she was also a senior partner in a political messaging firm named Joe Slade White and Company. The only two executives listed at the firm were Joe Slade White and Valerie. The firm received large fees from the Biden campaigns that Valerie was running. $2.5 million in consulting fees flowed to her from Citizens for Biden and Biden for President Inc. during the 2018 presidential bid alone. Joe Slade, uh, White & Company, worked for Biden campaigns for over 18 years. That one I don't care about. I mean, okay, so his sister's making money you know, because he hired her to do stuff for his campaign. I really don't think that's very – the, the, the first two, certainly. But I don't really think um, that that last one's Valerie. I really don't think that one was very significant, <laughs> you know, at all. So, but let's go ahead and uh, we've got season online and Kelly, uh, but Kelly uh, uh, chimed back in. Uh, well, actually, um, yeah, for, first, then we'll get into um, Susan. But let's go ahead and bring Kelly in. I'm starting to lose my voice. Uh, uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, uh, it's me again. 
yeah, I just had to run up to the homeless shelter. There was just a little problem. Anyway, but speaking of which, wow, how wonderful of Biden's, the Biden's to help solve the housing crisis. You know, help the homeless by building homes and using union money and all sorts of money and federal-backed loans. Wow. They really care about the homeless and the disfortunate, I think. Um, <laughs> the uh, You know, there's nothing wrong with making money. Um, it's a little hypocritical if you're a big-time socialist. But uh, anyway, <laughs> just, okay, fine. Well, so they did a business venture, but it seems like something went really wrong. And money was diverted uh, inappropriately. Um, and somehow they got away with it so far. Um, Oy, that's just really bizarre. By the way, um, speaking of housing and cheap housing, I ran into a tiny home, $39,900. I was really impressed because I've been studying these, and uh, that can help solve. California has a housing crisis. It's it's mind-blowing, and uh, up into Medford, too, Oregon. But, yeah, the Bidens really care about housing, and I guess they make tons of money at the same time. When I asked this guy how he could do his tiny home for 39900 and he's gotten approval in California um, because of the new legislation, ADUs, you can have a second house on your property. you got to have a first house, and you can add this as a second legislation changed in his favor. But I asked him, dude, I've seen people charge seventy, eighty thousand dollars for this. Why are you only charging thirty nine thousand nine hundred? He says, Well, we believe in quantity and we want to help people. And I had a follow up call with him later. You can actually see it anyway, uh but it, it was pretty pretty uh impressive that some people care and they don't want to gouge people, but well I guess if you have special connections in uh, Washington D C and you can get a government backed loan and you get investors from your union friends. I guess you can really pay people extremely well. I just, I just the hypocrisy is anyway. Nothing illegal about making money. It's how you do it. I'll yield back to you, Robert. Well, let's go ahead and uh, bring Susan in. Um, thank you very much Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Um, ready to check off from here. I'm tired, um, but I thought you might be interested in this because this will give you some advice. Now, apparently, according to this article, <laughs> Rich and the other three members of Idaho's congressional delegation has remained steadfast in support of the president. But the impeachment trial claimed its first slumber victim. Idaho's own U.S. Senate Jim Rich. He he knew he snoozed off after about four hours of listening to all this stuff, and so does Senator Grace. <laughs> so I'm guessing that is a advice that we need to just snooze. <laughs> we can still support him. I had to laugh at that. I'm sorry. Wow. Yep. Well, you knew it had to happen because it just about clicked everybody else's point too. <laughs> so I, I sent you some links, by the way, a couple of them. Um, 
I don't know. Did you get them? Did I get one? Well, I'm sorry. The links that I sent you. Uh, what, where where did you, did you send them in my to the email, or did you send them through a, through um, a, a text or message? Or chat, I'm sorry, you're yeah. you're breaking up there, Susan. Go ahead. The chat. Oh, the chat. Okay, let me get you know, let me go into the chat. Um, I'm not I'm not seeing any. Um, are, are you on Facebook? Yeah. Are you talking about Facebook? Oh, I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> no wonder. God, I, I'll, I'll try to get on. I haven't been on Facebook, and I might, I might not even be. I might even be logged out. I haven't been on Facebook, and oh well, no. I guess maybe I'm not logged out yet. But gosh, I haven't been on there in a long, long time. Let me, um, let me pull that up. <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot more time on uh, on Twitter now because when I was spending time on Facebook, I just seem to be. Um, you know, just talk to people who are in their echo chambers. And I went to the, you know, a lot of pages supposed to be debate pages, um, but they really weren't. <laughs> is that the state, uh, the uh, state speaking up, uh, asking a GOP attorney? Is that the one you talk about? Um, yeah, state speaking up, and um, there's another one underneath. Yeah, state speaking it. up, Joe asking Biden. Senate throw out impeachment. Yeah. And Joe Biden. Yeah, I've got. Says, yeah, I got that. Okay. Let's see um, if I can get through all these all these pop up. <laughs> yeah, let me look at this here. It's not a real long. Uh, oh no! Wait a minute. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can read this. Um, let me. Just, let me again. They have a lot of pop-ups on this. It's kind of slowing things down. But. Okay, it says, uh, states speak up uh, asking Senate to throw out impeachment. Fox News reports on Wednesday that 21 GOP attorney generals have requested the U.S. Senate bounce both articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump, saying that the impeachment trial establishes a dangerous historical precedent. They pulled no punches. Uh, if not expressly repudiated by the Senate, the theories animating both articles was set a precedent that is entirely contrary to the framers design and ruinous to the most important governmental structures uh, structure protections contained in our constitution the separation of powers the AG said they continued even an unsuccessful effort to impeach the pre- president undermines the integrity of the 2020 presidential election because it weaponizes a process that should only be initiated in exceedingly rare circumstances it should never be used for partisan purposes. Uh, in conclusion, they noted it cannot be a legitimate basis to impeach a president for acting in a legal manner that may also be political advantage, advantageous. Such a standard would cause for the impeachment of virtually every president, past, present, and future. The letter was signed by GOB Attorney Generals of Alabama. Oh, yes. I see my stand on here. Uh, Alabama, Alaska. Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Ohio, awesome, Alabama, South Carolina, South Dakota, uh, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia. Uh, The states have hit up uh, upon a point also stated by the president's lawyers in the trial by Senator Marshall Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, last week. At least three of the, quote, jurors in the Senate, Warren Sanders and Klobuchar, would directly benefit from a partisan – ooh, yeah, that's right – from a partisan guilty verdict. Yeah, they need to recuse themselves. 
Yeah, they need to recuse themselves. How about that? Because they can. Yeah, that's a great point. They can. They can uh, benefit politically. So who's to say that they're not behind this debacle so they can benefit? <laughs> yeah, they need to recuse themselves. How about that one? Anyway, that's a great point. Says, how can a person well, with that kind of con- uh, yeah? How how can that? No, go ahead, Susan. I was hoping you'd find something that you could use or enjoy or learn from. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, that's a very good point. Uh, and yeah, it says, how can a person with that kind of conflict of interest sit on the jury? In fact, the entire forty-seven member Senate Democratic caucus would benefit. How indeed can they sit in judgment of the man they already said they desperately want to remove from office before he is reelected? The GOP, in the same boat, you say, they directly benefit from the president's acquittal, but the GOP didn't bring these charges. They did not initiate this fiasco and weaponize a process that should be reserved for solemn and dangerous constitutional questions like these. FDR trying to pack the Supreme Court to ram through more socialism. Sure, impeach and convict him. John Kennedy, 1960 election, stealing and uh, an inmate bo- um, uh, election stealing and intimate. Oh, I'm sorry, intimate. God, yeah, mob ties. Gosh, jeez, can't get that out. Boot him. Jimmy Carter. Well, just on principles, he's history. <laughs> That's a joke, I guess. But this president yeah. has done nothing wrong, and these states know it, as does the American people. So yeah, that makes up some. Uh, yeah, it makes up some great points. It's like. Yeah, they stand to directly benefit from this. How can they vote for this and not and not recuse themselves? Gosh, that's yeah. Thank you, Steve. That's a that's a great point. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like hey, look, you know. Well, no wonder. Here's the thing. No wonder they're willing to give up Iowa and stuff, you know, because they end up were able to get elected. You know, they'd be able to. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Thanks 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 for sharing that with me. Oh, you're you're welcome. I don't do much anymore, but I can at least if you get on Facebook I can occasionally send you an article. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm not I'm not on there very uh no, I've been spending yeah, most of my time honestly I've been I'm uh I've been on Twitter been on Twitter. So that that's that's true. Okay, you've been on Twitter. <laughs> well, they're not the perfect solution either, but, you know, because, oh, did you hear that Tulsa Gabbard is announcing, she's announced a $50 million lawsuit against Hillary? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, she's selling her for uh, for saying she was basically, uh, um, yeah, basically, uh, well, I can't remember what she's suing for. Um, Less five or whatever. That's what Hillary is calling her. She's, my goodness, we have Sanders and Hillary clashing and Biden against us saying we're part of the Klan if we support um, Trump. And, <laughs> and Hillary being sued is like a freaking soap opera. Mhm. Well, oh yeah, well, there's um, I read something somewhere where they're like, you know, people people rather watch your soap operas than watch this. <laughs> Me, yes, and your wife. <laughs> but oh then, yeah, she'd rather. Know, yeah, she's yeah, she'd rather watch that too. Certainly. 
So, well, I mean, if they're going to do something, give us this stuff so we at least aren't totally bored. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to get off. And uh, hi, John, and anyone, everybody. And bye. <laughs> hi. Oh, good to hear from you again. This is Kelly here. Oh, hi, Kelly. How are you? I listen in a lot of times, but uh, next week on Friday, I have to go into the doctor. So there's always something going on. They're going to. Mm, gosh, I know what you mean. Not AFib, and they want to stop that or try to fix it. So nothing else is working. So they're going to put me out and shock my heart. <laughs> so it is what it is. Wow, well, I hope that, that goes well for you. What? Well, I hope things go well for you. Oh, me too. As if your heart isn't shocked enough with all this crap going on. <laughs> but anyhow, so I'm going to hear you one more time before, I don't know. We'll see. Would you like to hear a funny before you leave? Sure. Have you been watching? I'm sure you've been watching the impeachment and the trial. I've um, <laughs> uh, been reading about it. <laughs> yeah, all right. So let me read a funny for you before you go. Adam Schiff, he's the 28th uh, congressional district representative from California. Schiff is the attorney of the Democrats. That the Democrats designated to speak for the Senate minority. That's why he's uh, from the House, but he's speaking at the Senate. All right. Of course, the Senate minority is led by Schumer. One could say that Schiff is the prosecutor in the Senate impeachment trial. Now, Trump appears to be in a bucket of Schiff. <laughs> Trump replies. <laughs> so Trump replies, yeah. Trump replies casually, rolling his eyes. Oh, Schiff. Of course, the Senate Republicans respond, oh, bullshit. Democrats rely upon the evidence of Schiff. <laughs> Mr. Schiff is full of himself, talking all day. One can say that he is full of Schiff. Uh, <laughs> The scorecard of yesterday, with 11 motions attempted by Democrats to amend McConnell's resolution, uh, was tabled or temporarily uh, disbanded. So the scorecard is Republicans, 11. Democrat team led by Schiff, zero. Why do the American people put up with this Schiff? If the Republican senators vote no on impeachment by 53 to 47, then will the shift hit the fan? <laughs> what can only hope? Well, that'll make, that'll make my senator Crapo, who people C R A P O pronounce it wrong on purpose. <laughs> that'll make him feel better. <laughs> The attention's off his name now. This is a family-oriented radio talk show, Log Talk Radio. Oh, so, yeah. so we have to keep our language clean until after dark, after hours. 
So I did not use the uh, right, word which is in about twenty four minutes. <laughs> right. I didn't use the word shift. I use I, I didn't use the word shift. I used the word shift. <laughs> it's dark outside where I'm at. That's a load of shift. <laughs> I can't imagine all the memes that could be generated from that. Well, you just start them. I'd like to see them. Now, All right. Well, on. Thanks for the thanks for the funnies. That's cute, so to speak. Well, that's <laughs> well, that's good. Keep laughing. I mean, it, 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 laughing is indeed the, uh, the 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 best medicine. So let's. Uh, yes. We certainly we certainly Get appreciate well. it. It's good, it's good to hear from you again, Susan. Get well, Susan. Hey, Susan. Yeah, thank you. Take care. And don't forget, shift happens. Oh. Yeah, shift happens. Well, they do say the best. Well, you, they do say what the the best thing you can do with a bunch of shift is to flush it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid we've all been stepping in it, even though we didn't want to. <laughs> and, and, so. and another thing, uh, the, another thing we'll, we would find comical that really isn't comical is, of course, uh, is the Democrat debates uh, that happened uh, uh, last week. Uh, last uh, on the uh, well, not last week, it was on the well, maybe it was the, the 14th. So not you know, so so last week. And, you know, we got an audio – I got an audio clip from there uh, where, you know, they're talking about, you know, about, about impeachment. I feel like this is a good uh, a good time uh, to play this audio and what the, their thoughts are. Now, again, because we brought up that article – you know, she brought up that, thing, you know, that piece about the article about, hey, how is this going to benefit, uh, you know, so many these people running for president? So I'm, I'm going to keep the mics open so, you know, if we could keep uh, things quiet, though, while the audio is playing um, – if we could do that, that'd be great. But yeah, here's a a, a clip from the, uh, the the Democrat debate, which was on the 14th of January. Against President Trump to the United States Senate, launching the third trial of a U.S. president. The Republican-led Senate has signaled that it is likely to acquit him. Vice President Biden, mm-hmm. if you're the nominee, is it going to be harder to run against President Trump if he's been acquitted and able to claim vindication? especially after what he said about your family. It's irrelevant. There's no offer, there's no choice but to, for Nancy Pelosi and the House to move. He has, in fact, committed impeachable offenses. Whether the Senate makes that judgment or not, it's for them to decide. But, and by the way, I'm told that, uh, you know, we, uh, that uh, I don't, I say we have to unite the country. It's going to be harder after this trial. It may be, but look. You know, I understand how these guys are, this Republican Party. They've gone after Savage, my surviving son, gone after me, told lies that your networks and others won't even carry on, te- on television because they're flat-out lies. And uh, I did my they job. They won't tell the, the truth. Whether or not he did his job, and he hasn't done his job. And so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter whether or not he's gone after me. I've got to be in a position that I think of the, of the American people. I can't hold a grudge. I have to be able to not only fight, but also heal. And as President of the United States, that's what I will attempt to do, notwithstanding that there's going to be more division after he's defeated by me this next time. You're going to be a juror in the trial in the Senate that's about to start. 
Do you worry President Trump will be emboldened by acquittal? No. We have a constitutional duty to do to perform here. And when I look at what the issue is, it's whether or not we're going to be able to have witnesses. We've asked for only four people as witnesses. And if our Republican Oh, you're a hypocrite. What about who the Republicans asked for? Give the president a crown and a scepter. They may as well make him king. And last time I checked, our country was founded on this idea that we didn't want to be ruled by a king. And I think the best way to think about this trial and what we're facing in this election is a story of a man from Primgar, Iowa. His name was Joseph Welch. He came from humble beginnings, the son of immigrants. He became the Army Council, and he was the one that went to the Joseph McCarthy hearing. And when McCarthy was blacklisting people and going after people because of their political beliefs or supposed political beliefs, there was only one man, everyone that was afraid, they are afraid of being blacklisted, Joseph Welch. He stood up and looked at McCarthy and said, have you no sense of decency, sir? Have you no sense yeah, of decency? Yeah, that's you guys. This is a There's... decency check on our government. This is a patriotism check. Not only is this oh, trial that, but also this election. And no matter if you agree with everyone here on the stage, I say this thank to you, Americans, Robert, you know this is a decency check on this president. Mr. Steyer. And you guys are going to lose. millions and millions of dollars telling the American people that President Trump deserves to be impeached. Will it have been worth it if he's been impeached but not removed from office? Well, Walt, actually what I've done is to organize a petition drive of eight and a half million Americans to sign and say this president deserves to be impeached and removed from office. We're a country of 340 million. million. Called their Congress people, have emailed their Congress people, and have actually dragged a hundred and something million voted. See that in fact, and only eight million, right and wrong, whatever, and not of political expediency. So if you ask me whether standing up for what's right in America, standing up for the American people and our safety, standing up for the Constitution. Whether doing that and trying to bring the truth in Those front of Those aren't even impeachable offenses. Look at your Constitution. So we can decide what the truth is for ourselves. If you think that that isn't worth it, then you don't share the idea that I do about what the Ameri- America is about. Yeah, we don't. We don't Standing share up it. Standing for what's right is always worth it, Walt. And I will never back down from that. Senator Warren. A Senate trial is expected to keep you in Washington in the weeks leading up to the Iowa caucuses here. How big of a problem is that for you as you're making your closing pitch to voters here? Well, some things are more important than politics. I took an oath uh, to uphold Such the Constitution of the United States of America. <laughs> it says that no one is above the law. That includes the President of the well, United States. Unless you're an illegal immigrant. Mm-hmm. If you're an illegal Trial immigrant, you're above the law. It's my responsibility. God, these but people are such hypocrites. What that impeachment trial is going to show, once again, the American people, and something we should all be talking about, is the corruption of this administration. Oh, the government's corrupt. He's trying to clean it up. It is about Donald Trump putting Donald Trump first. Well, not the people know it's people, bullshit. Not the interests of the United States of America. Not even in helping Ukraine defend against Russia. It is Holy crap! The Obama administration gave zero lethal uh, aid to Ukraine. God, I can't wait until he brings that up in the the debate. Man, they're going to wipe them up with that. 
that we are going to be the party that is willing to fight on the side of the people. That's why we're here. Yeah, Let's turn now to the climate crisis. Here in Iowa, parts of the state remain underwater after. As you can tell, <laughs> I wasn't purposely giving commentary during the debate, but that was my uh, my reaction. <laughs> And the debate, I chuckled a little bit as I was learning to that, like, oh man, I guess I was pretty vocal during the responses of uh, uh, of those questions. Uh, <laughs> I can hear, as you well heard, uh, my uh, my my initial reactions <laughs> when that was uh, that was going on. Uh, but if anyone makes a comment on that, we'll we'll put things down the, the line here. Uh, first, we'll get to um, you, um, Suzette, and then uh, John, and then Kelly, and then. Uh, we still have uh, uh, Susan's uh, line open, so um, maybe just uh, listening here. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll go down the line. So, what do, what do you think about that, uh, uh, Suzette? I think that there are going to be um, a lot of people, a lot of independents, that you know have already ruled them out. Their ratings, as far as the whole debate, took a dope. We took a dive uh, because nobody was paying attention. This is the best that they've got <laughs> that's out there that they're going to put against Trump. Unless, of course, Hillary decides to throw her hat in the ring at the last minute when they have a uh, one of those conventions um, or Oprah or something. Broker conventions, yeah. They're talking about Hillary yeah. maybe at a broker convention. Because mm-hmm. I can't see really any of them being nominated for pre- to be president, whether it's up against Trump, you know, because Trump will tear them up. But let's just say it was somebody – else that was the incumbent. Uh, still, none of them are qualified to be president. You have uh, Elizabeth Warren there that's her little fragile feelings that um, Bernie told her women can't be president. So, okay, so you're going to get your feelings hurt over that. You're going to make a really big deal out of that, and you want to be president. Okay, no, you're out. <laughs> Kobachar, she irritates the hell out of me just when she opens her mouth. She makes no sense out of sense. And she tears it down, spins it around in a blender, and then it just comes out, bleh, and she doesn't stop. And then you've got Joe Biden. I'm not sure he knows where he's at these days. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's crew. bumbling, yeah. He's looking through. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, here's the thing before I move it over to, uh, to, to John is that about the bro- broker convention, <laughs> I, I think sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes not. Uh, in 2012, I was supporting one. Uh, 2016, I was not. And this one for the Democrats, part of me thinks it would be a good idea because you're going to get some voters who really, really, really support the person that they voted for in their uh, in their primary. And if they vote for those, you know, their person, and let's say that person would have the vote. Both, uh, you know, the super delegates and the delegates, right, through the election process, you know, part of our republic. And I bet if they were to have a broker convention and be like, you know what, we think that the best chance to beat Donald Trump is to have Hillary Clinton be our nominee. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Here's what I think. I think they do. I, maybe it would be a good thing. Maybe they would do that at their own peril. Because you have a lot of voters, I think. Now, now the hatred for Trump is so visceral with the Democrat Party, they may not care. 
but I'm sure there's going to be at least a good amount of them, maybe even just a handful of them. You're going to be like, my vote was just disenfranchised. This is the guy or gal I voted for, my primary. And then you're going to put up Hillary Clinton. So who cares, especially like Bernie Sanders? Could you imagine if Bernie Sanders were to win and then they'd have a, con- con- uh, a convention, you know, and then have, uh, you know, them put up Hillary Clinton? Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, it's not going to be Bernie. I mean, it's probably going to be Biden. I, I think Biden's going to take it. And then Biden will somehow find a way to step down and let Hillary and, oh, it's for the best of the party. And maybe, who knows, maybe she'll make him his VP again. I don't know. But, um, but it is, I think they might do it at their own detriment because you you let some de- – you know, I think you have a good amount of Democrats who would feel dis- their vote was disenfranchised. Like why even vote in a Democrat primary because you know it doesn't matter. They're going to coordinate the person they want. That's pretty much what they did to Hillary, just the same way that the, the Republicans did it uh, with uh, you know Mitt Romney back in 2012. But I think that they might do that at their own, at their own detriment if, if that happens. Um, but we we will see. But I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if they tried it because there's, there's really not anyone on that stage that I, I really do. I, I really don't. I'm not concerned with any of them, um, you know, for for Trump. Uh, but anyway, well, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be a long spring and summer. Let me tell you. I mean, this will be done by the winter, uh, and maybe that's why they're doing it now. Like, oh man, everyone's inside the house, you know, because it's winter time in a lot of America. So let's let let's do this while people are in the house. Maybe that's why I want to rush it, to get you know, so they can try to get it do, um, you know, done while people are in the house. Because once spring hits, people are like, I ain't sitting in front of a TV anymore. I'm gonna get out. <laughs> but anyway, let's go ahead and get your take on that, John. Go ahead. Yeah, for all the viewers or listeners out there, you got approximately ten minutes before the internet feed drops out. But there is a lovingly called Bard's Logic After Dark that starts at the top of the hour for the next the third hour of the broadcast, and if you call 347-945-7428, you can be a participant in the last hour of the show as well, or you can just listen, because, you know, once you dial 347-945-7428, you can just listen or press 1 when you're on, and then Robert will get you into the show as soon as he possibly can. And so make sure your phones are charged up. Because if your phone call drops after the third hour starts, you won't be able to dial back in. But 347-945-7428. All right. Now, as far as all this stuff that's been going on, I still think this is the wingman playing games. It's the deep state, Washington establishment, Republicans, and Democrats. And the part of the reason why I feel that way is because – I don't hear them arguing certain positions about misprision, malfeasance, nonfeasance, or misfeasance, or miscarriage of justice, or mis, you know official misconduct, abuse of power, abuse of process on the on behalf of the Democrats, because the the Washington establishment Republicans don't ever argue that they'll just stay real general and vague and superficial, like oh you know. Things ain't going the way the Constitution means or the process is messed up, you know, or something like that. But they don't try to go into the details and explain it. So, therefore, it sounds mundane, and who wants to listen to this? And then, like Suzette was saying, 
the Democrats are going all out in trying to hit enough of these details and show enough of these different media clips, you know, with the text on them and what these different third-party people said. And only Sondland, or whatever his last name is, is the only one that had any real direct experience with any of the evidence or facts about the conversation with Ukraine. But I go back to the same point I made before, too. These people are continuing to say, oh, there was no quid pro quo. But only one person, and funny to say, was um, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham. I almost called him the nickname I give him, Senator Flimsy, Flimsy Scam. That's what his nickname is to me because most of the time he's just another part of the deep state trickery dickery doc trying to screw people over. But um, he was the only one that said in an interview that I heard that, hey, there's good quid pro quo and there's bad quid pro quo and that's true and if you're dealing with our tax money going to foreign countries then there has to be a quid pro quo to make sure there's no corruption and they don't ever bring up the fact that the open investigation that trump is actually pushing on about burisma was opened up under the um you know barack obama administration and it just never was closed and he's just following through with it but then he just doesn't word it in the right way, so he gives them ammunition to pick him up and beat him down like a stepchild. And so that frustrates me, and it makes me think that he's just, you know, among several other things, he's just surrounded himself with so many deep state people that are playing like sheeps in wolf clothing, baiting him to say certain things in order for them to be able to use this whole impeachment thing as a doggone um Billy club over his head Just hold it over his head the whole time Even if he gets elected the next four years Everything that's getting done Is just helping the multinational Corporations and the You know the people I say who are the uh, Robber barons and the Captains of industry the federal reserve Banking cartel all them People that sit on the board as directors And then they fund all of these Think tanks, you know, Brookings Institute and Heritage and the Atlantic Council and all these people that sit on these are nothing but the pawns in the chess game of life. And these people are using their influence and their money to manipulate those chess pieces. And everybody else is just seems to be nefariously lost in their own delusion to not pick up on that stuff. And it's hard to explain. It, because there's never ever totally an, enough amount of time to to truly explain it with all the details, but also if you get into too much detail, you're going to be targeted, and that's why many of the people like you know, you've heard me say Edward Snowden and um, John Kirico, uh, I'm not sure I pronounce his name right, or Mike German. There's tons of them. Ray McGovern. Uh, the big one I always say is Edward Snowden, but you know Daniel. Uh, Ellsberg and all them cats, Thomas D uh, Drake and William Benny, they all understand that kind of stuff. And that's why if you keep up with a lot of those kind of perspectives and what's going on and listen to how the people that are have formerly worked in our, you know, NSA or CIA, FBI, DEA, uh, DHS, all these different groups, they have their own intellect. Uh, well, they call it, I see, uh, in, intellects, I can't think of the word now, it's coming off to my head. Anyway, the intelligence community, that's what it is. 
all these people that used to work or are currently working that want to keep on the down low in order to maintain their ability to get insider information, most of them people have to be really hush-hush and very careful or they'll end up in really hard places and not be I mean, think about it. Thomas Drake's working at an Apple store now. I mean, the guy is brilliant in a lot of different ways. Edward Snowden, look, he's stuck having to live out of Russia someplace in an embassy-type situation. I mean, it, it, go, it just tells you that this so system is corrupt and all of, like you were saying before, about how the Democrats are actually using the government as a weapon to protect the um, fraud and abuse that they're conducting, like for Burisma or, you know, Biden and whatever he did. And they're trying to use the manipulation tactics that um, Kelly and, and Suzette were talking about in the way they word stuff in order to psychologically, you know, Stockholm Syndrome, psychologically coerce and persuade the American people that we got more crookedness in Trump than in them. Well, gee whiz, Trump might be a penny candy criminal, but the rest of our Congress and senators and, you know, congressmen, senators, and the bureaucracy heads of all these corrupt uh, uh, government agencies, they're multi-million dollar and billionaire criminals. So that's just my take on it, but I appreciate the opportunity and keep up the good work, and uh, back to you, Rob. Okay, Kelly, did you want to chime in on that? On the uh, debate of the Democrats for president? So this is the time of the year where they're going here, going there, state to state. Iowa caucus, by the way, February 3rd. If you've ever been to an Iowa caucus, sometimes you can almost get snowed out. But uh, anyway, I was born and raised in Iowa, went to a caucus. It was interesting. It's a very honest system, by the way. All right, so they're debating, debating, and they're really getting good at it. You could call these Democratic presidential candidates master debaters. Um, (laughs) If one of them does become president, they're going to get sworn at, I mean sworn in. Okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to be silly about this whole thing. Panamet circensis, Latin for bread and circus. All right, so... Hillary Clinton, da, 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 da. Hillary Clinton, you know, da, 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 Hillary Clinton. Okay, she's done. I'm about 99% sure that she won't be running for president because if she did, she would have to file with California. She doesn't want California. Um, it's hard for oh she just you know she didn't register in the front for for the primary in California, which means um, yeah it's just not going to work for her name to be on the ballot in general election so yeah you're you're done you're done you needed California to become President Hillary and you didn't file with the Secretary of State and a whole bunch of other states by the way she didn't file her application if you want to get a job you got to file the application. All right, so um, – oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody will say, well, maybe she filed the application anonymously. 
Oh, no, that doesn't work either. Okay, but maybe she filed the application, but she asked Alex Padilla, our beloved Secretary of State, <clears throat> uh, to not tell anybody. Really? Really? You got Hillary Clinton, Northern Aid, going in and filing an application in California for run for president, and it's not going to leak out of California? She hasn't applied. She's out. I'm like 99.9% sure that Hillary will not be running against Trump. So we're left with Biden, who his son and other things could get exposed and they lose. We got uh, Pocahontas. It's not Pocahontas. Um, yeah, she ain't, uh, it's going to be interesting. But, you know, if the Democrats don't try, well, then you'd have a libertarian as president. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? And if you think, uh, you could just imagine a Gary Johnson. By the way, Ron Paul in 88 was the Libertarian candidate, uh, presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. Could you imagine if you looking at how the Democrats are going after the Republican, and sometimes the Republicans go after the Democrat president? Could you imagine a Libertarian president getting into office? You'd have both the Republicans and Democrats going after the Libertarian. <laughs> so anyway, maybe I suggest we're screwed. Um, third party, we need a third party. Anyway, uh, Massachusetts is uh, uh, Maine. Maine has ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting. An incumbent Republican, longtime incumbent, got booted. Massachusetts is going to have a vote on ranked choice. A vote on the vote. A vote on the way you vote. A vote on ranked choice voting statewide initiative. Uh, the general election. I talked to the guy who started this uh, a week or so ago. We got to get him on the show, Paul Thomas, a really good guy. Anyway, um, that could change things, Roberts. I know you were talking about Ireland's uh, rate choice system, and uh, we, we've got to get rid of the duopoly. We've got to get rid of the duopoly and have more parties. That's mostly because I like partying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, support wildlife, throw a party. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's why the environmentalists like, uh, you know, support wildlife. All right. Because they like to party. All right. Anyway, um, I do have, and maybe I should wait till next week, I do have some information on the whistleblower. Maybe I should yield the phone to somebody else for a while, but look at the whistleblower no, and try to summarize it. Go ahead. No, I said, yeah, get, you go ahead. Okay, let me look it up a little bit. Maybe I can tell another joke. Um, let's see. Here. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, here it is. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. WorldNet Daily. Uh, are any of you familiar with WorldNet Daily? Um, yes, a little bit. Okay, and it was kind of. Tea Party type thinking. Um, they started back in what ninety? I want to say ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Will Ferrer and um, several other people got together and they said, "We're going to have this alternative news media." And uh, is that right, Will Ferrer? Joseph Ferrer. There you go, Joseph Ferrer. Okay. So here we go. Here's a whistleblower in 2017 plotted to take out Trump. Sources overheard. Uh, Cyril Mella and future Schiff staffer 
No, I didn't say Schiff. I said Schiff. Future Schiff staffer at White House. Okay, this came out about 11.30 today. So I'm going to read some of this. It's a really long article, but uh, it was from an investigation by Real, Real Clear Investigations, a Paul Sperry. Uh, it's a Walnut Daily's repeating story from Real Clear Investigations. All right. Barely two weeks ago after Donald Trump took office, Eric Ceramella, the CIA analyst, whose name was recently linked in a tweet by the president, and mentioned – oh, Trump mentioned him. That's a hint. All right. The CIA analyst whose name was recently linked in a tweet by the president and mentioned by lawmakers as the anonymous whistleblower who touched off Trump's impeachment was overheard in the White House discussing with another staffer how to remove the newly elected president from office, according to former colleagues. Two former colleagues overheard Ceramella right away. He's going to get Trump out of office. And uh, sources told Real Clear Investigations the staffer with whom Ciramello was speaking was Sean Misko. Both were Obama administration holdovers working in the Trump White House on foreign policy and national security issues. And both expressed anger over Trump's new America First policy, a sea change from President Obama's approach to international affairs. This days after he was sworn in, this is a quote from the witness. Just after he, he was sworn in, they were already talking about trying to get rid of him, said a White House colleague who overheard the conversation. Now, as you know, you have holdovers who are basically employees or not necessarily appointees. So you might even have uh, a, an employee from Bush Sr. to Bush Jr. to Obama to even now Trump's office. So, you know, like they started when they were like 21 at the White House. They could still be, you know. So you have these employees that are different departments and that and that and that. So they were already talking about getting rid of him. They weren't just bent on subverting his agenda, the former official added. They were plotting to actually have him removed from office. This left the White House last summer to join House impeachment manager Adam Schiff's committee, where sources say he offered guidance to the whistleblower, who has been officially identified only as an intelligence officer in a complaint against Trump filed under whistleblower laws. Misko then helped run the impeachment inquiry based on the complaint as a top investigator for congressional Democrats. And so I, I could go on for probably 15 minutes reading this long article. Um, so the players you have here is Misko and Ciramella, Ciramella, C-I-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-A, Ciramella and Misko. They're both holdovers. Uh, CIA intelligence, et cetera, et cetera, different. And so um, Misko went to work with Adam Schiff to begin the entire impeachment fiasco. And this article discusses a few other key points that they they were buddy buddies and they'd go to different meetings, you know, for the uh, executive branch. And their colleagues overheard them. They just became blatant. Overt and blatant, and just didn't realize people were listening as much as they were, and so two two people told of their plot, and then he goes, uh, Misko goes over to uh, Schiff's office, and then all of a sudden here comes this whistleblower complaint, and there's other offices of the executive branch that examine these whistleblower complaints, and one person commented, "Look, I've never seen such an incredibly polished whistleblower report ever." 
<laughs> and uh, oh, but it was unsigned. And they didn't go to different departments as they're required, and the whistleblower gets kind of distributed with different departments, et cetera. And it wasn't done. Um, and then, and then you have a situation where Adam Schiff uh, was asked, "Oh, do you do you know the whistleblower, or do you have?" Oh no, I don't know him. Yes, you do. He's denying. He's denying any involvement. Oh yes, I. Uh, no, I don't know him. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Schiff is all over the place. Oh Schiff. And so you you've got a mess here. And they even stated that multiple statements on the whistleblower report, which only few have seen, because it's in the basement of the Capitol building. But several, uh, some have seen the whistleblower report, and there are perjurious statements. In other words, two, two. You know, it sounds like they were young punks, like they were. I see young punk now when I'm in my fifties, but like t- late twenties and early thirties, getting together, encouraging each other. Yeah, let's take out a president. Yeah, okay. Uh, what should we be doing tonight? Maybe we should go on a date with some girls. No, let's take out the president. When they really somehow convinced Mr. Schiff, um, and so Schiff took it on, and Misko was actually seen in the House Judiciary Committee sitting behind, uh, sitting in the background, Schiff doing his thing in the House Judiciary Committee, and there is Misko being a consultant in the room, like, whoa. And so... What's going to happen? And, well, okay. Perjurious statements on the whistleblower report. Things left out that needed to be filled in, and so this whole fiasco could have started because two young punks decided to lie out of political bias. I hope the grand jury gets a hold of something and sends them to jail, or at least issues an indictment. So, yeah, I just you know what, whistleblower, whistleblower, where's the whistleblower? Uh, Ted Cruz, I saw a little clip today. Ted Cruz wants to he wants he wants to hear what the whistleblower has to say. And of course, there's going to be cross examination on the guy. But you know, what, what, what we've been hearing, oh, it's probably fabricated. Where was the whistleblower? Is this a secret? 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 Oh no, it's like it looks like it's all been fabricated. Uh, so you can go to World Net Daily. Here, let me read the story headline so you can read it for yourself. This is, it's a pretty long read. All right, so let me read the title again. WND.com, World Net Daily. Whistleblower in 2017 plotted to take out Trump. Um, or you can go to the original, which is Real Clear Investigations by Paul Sperry. Uh, they did a lot of digging. I was I was amazed at how much digging Real, real clear investigations has done. So are they connected with real out. clear politics? That website. Well, that's that's what I first thought. Are they real? Yeah, I just they just say real clear investigations. I don't know. Okay, I was curious. Well, I was impressed at the level of detail they went to. I don't have time to read, but I was impressed with what they have found out through asking a bunch of questions. Probably Judicial Watch. If they're listening, the start is doing subpoenas on all sorts of things. Judicial Watch, I, it's amazing Tom Fitton is even alive, is, is, is close to the truth and exposing things. It's amazing Tom Fitton's still alive, so maybe real clear investigation would get Tom Fitton. Judicial Watch, court cases, subpoenas, 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 um, Freedom of Information Act, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's more 
freedom of information is a private side, but you have to sometimes go to court, and then the judge can order a subpoena to comply with the FOIA request. But anyway, I just I'm going to shut up for a little bit and back to you, Robert. See what other people think about this. Well, uh, did John or uh, before I move on, does uh, John or does that want to say anything? I do got a it's, a it's kind of a rather lengthy article, and I may or may not get through all of it. It's uh, again something that you're not hear a lot about, and it's about Frank Biden. Um, you really don't hear his name coming up, but you know it does you know again show some of the extent of the corruption of uh, of the Bidens. And you know, and again, the reason why I may read the the article in its entirety is because it's not so. And if you, I don't read it all, I mean, of course, you can find and read it all yourself uh, on the Bard's Logic Cloak Talk website at the newsroom page. Uh, check that out at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, and um, yeah, you can get all, you know, all the articles and other articles that are on there uh, that we did not get to tonight. Cause I can't believe it. We it's already. Uh, and only about uh, 47 minutes of the show left, and and I still got to do including comments. But uh, uh, John or uh, Suzette, you want to add on to that? Uh, well, I just there's an article and uh, a website called Fort F O R T dash R U S S dot com. The name of the article is called "The Plundering of Ukraine by Corrupt American Democrats," and this uh, publication um, hosts. Uh, news from Eurasia, um, from Latin America, from Africa. So it's a wide range of different countries, geopolitical um, type of uh, publication. And uh, it's from October 28th. I highly recommend that you read it. It goes in depth. It breaks it down uh, from the Democrats to the Biden story and its very inception and his son. And then it goes into, um, let's see, oh, what is Furtish case? because there's a gentleman by the name of Furtish that's involved. And then from there, the next part portion of the article, it's a long article, so I'm not even going to go into it. And President Zelensky, um, and he is free from Clinton, Clintonite Democrats' influence. And it goes further into the fires that were set by Biden's people and the spooks, the CIA Clintonites, um, that had set fire to Ukrainians' warehouses, but there were no weapons, no bullets, no uh, firearms that were supposed to be there in the first place. They were taken and they were sold to Syria. And then from our people in Syria, not Syria like Bashar al-Assad, like our people in, in Syria. And from there they went to ISIS. So it's, it's a pretty detailed article. But So anyway, that's all I wanted to say about that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And John? Yeah, the only thing – continue to think on is the the psychological warfare that's going on because with ai and a lot of this you know facial recognition with these deep fake nonsense and stuff it's given the criminals the real true criminals this plausible deniability stuff they can always blame it on oh that's fake and and you know whenever trump is always saying well fake news fake news fake news but he keeps it real general he doesn't ever specifically break it down then they start using the same stuff against Trump, just like we were talking about earlier. They're trying to claim that Trump is doing all the dirt with this Ukraine deal when the Democrats, you know, may be the wingman to the deep state establishment, including Democrats and Republicans, in order to, you know, distract people psychologically and, and make them think that, hey, they're the ones that's doing the legit work. 
psychologically, and it just is really playing games with a whole lot of different people. And like you were saying earlier, Robert, about how you keep hearing all these different voices from I don't know where all you're hearing them from about wanting armed resistance and this and that. I mean, there's all kinds of wacky, nutty stuff going on. But at the same time, we got to figure out a way to move forward together. Otherwise, we're going to die killing each other individually. Because if nobody likes people pushing them and and trying to steal from them, and the biggest thing they're stealing from us is our property called self-governing and then our money on top of that. But anyway, those are just concerns psychologically that we keep pushing and we don't really ever seem to dig towards the root of the issue. And so, therefore, we just keep talking about these results-oriented things that don't really get to what caused the results to come forward. And I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm just saying we need to have those deep, you know, critical thinking discussions to figure out how to have a better answer. Because right now it seems like we're just digging a deeper hole and we're just pointing fingers and blaming it on the deep fakes and, and how much you can't believe anything on the Internet, which is true. There is a big seed of truth in that. Anyway, that's a big concern of mine. Thanks a bit again. Back to you. Oh, you're welcome. And you know what? You know one thing to uh, you know uh, you know address on that is uh, you know what you you know whether you can believe them and you know what you can believe on you know I mean I, I try to be careful with you know where I get. I mean, there's a lot of interesting uh, so-called news outlets that I find. You know, online, you both on on Twitter and and both on, uh, you know, Facebook. Which I mean, again, I mean, I I just was on Facebook now because of someone. Well, because I was looking up that message from, uh, from from Susan. You know, on there, um, and, and so we'll get back to the uh, you know again. Well, I, I may or may not get the the whole article. Just it's something that you know I'd like to see you know talk more out there because there's a focus on Hunter Biden and and there's the focus. Uh, on even on you know the quid pro quo of, of Joe Biden, but we don't hear you know much about the Frank Biden. It sounds like this might be just as um, and, and why maybe it's not as just a, a juicy story as Hunter. I don't know, um, but you know, but I think the reason why Hunter is brought up more is because of course the Ukraine connection. And so what I've seen so far, there's there's not a lot of Ukraine connection, I guess, uh, with. With Frank Biden, so maybe that's why it's not in the news. But I mean, if they were, you know, the the liberals and Democrats are, you know, saying, oh, well, this is, you know, kind of, uh, you know, a, a history, you know, of uh, of Trump and his family, you know, always blasting on his family. But and again, I think it's just more uh, projection, you know, against the Bidens and and about investigations. It's like just because he's a, uh, and we made this point before, is just just because. You know, Obama is a presidential campaign. Don't mean if, if any corruption he's in should not be investigated. Actually, this is the time too. And I mean, think about it. this is a, this is a point I don't think anybody's making. This is the time to investigate Biden and Biden's family. Is why was there an election? I mean, is it better to do the investigation before he's elected the president? Because if you've got somebody who's corrupt, wouldn't it make sense to have him vetted? You know, they talk about vetting, you know, presidential candidates, but I mean, are they really being vetted? You know, if they're if because they're, you know, running for president, that they can't be investigated. But anyway, so hear more on Can Frank I Biden. Can on that real quick? 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, um, this is one area that I really hope we tread carefully because that's an assumption of guilt without proven innocence mentality. Well, that's true. And and that that is part of why I don't like when Trump gets up and says certain things like, oh, you know, corruption with Burisma or, or Biden or whatnot. And I'm like going, wait, it makes sense if you have past history with the Ukraine government that there was corruption and there's an open investigation from the previous administration already on the books, then it makes sense since they just changed presidents to go ahead and father, you know, follow up on that open investigation to make sure that all the checks and balances have been properly checked off in order to, you know, make sure we're not funding this group that's going to be corrupt. But, um, um, Hunter Biden, I don't begrudge anybody going to a foreign country and making millions of dollars. If I want to pick a homeless person out of the ditch and pay him $200,000 to, you know, uh, lick my floor and then walk away, that's my right as a free person in America to do. And so, therefore, where is the actual proven evidence and whatnot to justify? Because when Trump just says, well, he made a bunch of money. He went over to Ukraine and got hooked up with this company, and he made $50 million a month or whatever it was, 85000 a month or whatnot. I'm like, so what, Trump? You did the same thing, selling your doggone name to all these companies all over the world just to put your name on a doggone building. There's nothing wrong with that. What's the culpability of crime? That's the concern, and there probably is. When you watch the video about um, Joe Biden sitting up there on the platform talking and bragging about how he withheld money in order to get rid of the prosecutor whenever they were, you know, investigating the the corruption in the Burisma issue. That is a bad quid pro quo and definitely needs to be, you know, confirmed, investigated or whatnot. That's proven evidence beyond a reasonable doubt right there. Because it's coming right out of his mouth in the video unless he wants to argue, oh, that's a deep fake. See? Anyway, I want to be very careful not to keep seeding this mentality of, oh, it's okay to consider everybody guilty and make them prove their own innocence. Back to you, Rob. Thanks. Well, and that's something something that I I find interesting is, uh, you know, a couple points. One. Is that, yeah, a lot of people are like, well, Trump should be out there proving his innocence. I'm like, you do realize that's not how the American system works. I mean, I mean, it's the, the burden of proof is on the accuser. They have to prove Amen. guilt. It's not up to Trump to have to, to you know, exonerate himself. It's not for him to have to prove his innocence. That's, that, that's not how the American justice system works. But as to Hunter Biden, is that I think what the problem is is. You know, influence and power peddling, I think, is more uh, why they want that to be looked into. Not as much. Yeah, they're making a big. Well, here's the thing. I think the reason they're bringing up the fifty thousand to eighty-five thousand dollars per month, you know, getting paid for not having any experience for the board he was assigned to, is one. I mean, that that might very well be a ploy to piss people off to pay attention to it because people, you because know, people, the American people generally want things to be fair. And they don't want to see somebody who making eighty five thousand dollars a month, you know, 
in a position where they really don't belong. It's just not fair, and the American people like to see things to be fair. So they may very well be using that part of it uh, you know, to get people's attention. Like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, that is bullshit. Why should he be making that? There's got to be something wrong. That's that sink thy heavens. So that you know, it's kind of like a snake. Snakes don't have very good eyesight. They re- they don't. But they got to smell their food. They got to smell it. And not that I'm a, a, a comparing, you know, or, or making an analogy. Well, I guess I am making an analogy to the American people and uh, and a snake. But I mean, you got to in order for them to get a closer look, you got to get them to smell it. Got to get them to smell it. You got to get their interest in it. And so, in order to get people's interest, again, the American people mostly want to be fair, fairness, and they don't think it's fair. And they're like, well, this is this is BS. There's got to be something wrong with it. There's got to be something wrong with. So then they make they want to make you know makes people want to peel back the onion to say, okay, why did this guy get a position? You know why? And that's something that needs further investigation. And, and, and as to why, and that's why they're bringing this up. It's like, well, wait a minute, this guy, and, and I don't have a problem making a bunch of money, even if they're not really qualified. But when it comes to you know, you know, power and influence peddling, why? And I think that's the thing that they wanted to investigate is what what kind of influence is being peddled, what you know, by having you know, uh, Hunter Biden being on this board making all of this money. And there's even other things, but on this board with a uh, a Ukraine energy company that is known to be corrupt. You know, the government's known to be corrupt, and the company is known to be corrupt. And so, you know, that is what they they want to get people to investigate it more. See, if, even if Trump was asking for them to investigate Burisma, that's kind of the point. I mean, that's why he wants people to get interested in it by saying, look. Why would somebody who doesn't have any type of experience in this be making $85,000? Other than his son making a lot of money, what you think this Burisma is going to – look, think about it. You think a, a Ukrainian oil company or, or, or energy company is going to pay Hunter Biden or anybody, 85, anybody with no experience, $85,000 a month to be on their board for what? What do they gain? What yeah, would Burisma Rob, gain? Well, but wait a minute, hold on, hold on. What would Burisma gain by hiring or having Joe Biden on that Joe Hunter Biden on their board, paying him eighty thousand, eighty-five thousand dollars a month? What was that? That smells of corruption. What do they have to gain? And well. You know, I mean, look at the Hillary, you know, the, the the Clinton Foundation when she was running the, uh, you know, when she was the, the Secretary of State, all kinds of money was flown into that organization. Now that she's uh, not Secretary of State, they don't have nearly as much money getting funneled into it. Uh, so that that's showing, like, hmm, you know, why is that? You know, the, so they want to they want to investigate it to find those, that information out. Well, is it true? And it's already been investigated, and there was uh, actually uh, some type of court hearing and documents that were released um, in Ukraine. There was a, a court uh, filing. Oops, shoot, got on it. Um, about that very thing, and it broke it all down. And why we aren't hearing it about it over here in the United States, I do not know, unless you dig for it or look for it, you know, and not the obvious mainstream media. Um, the connections 
to or Google um, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but our Vice President um, Biden at that time um, basically was ripping off U.S. taxpayers and Ukrainian people. Um, he was the number one guy, um, I guess, during the Obama presidency, and he was considered the pro-consul for Ukraine, and he was involved in, in many corruption schemes. He authorized transfers of $3 billion of U.S. taxpayer dollars to the post-coup government of Ukraine. And what happened was he authorized money to what the man claimed to be president, which there was no title of president for Ukraine, but nevertheless, uh, for each year, it was 2014, 2015, and 2016, um, Biden had released the $1 million. And they received it, then it disappeared as far as Ukraine. Ukraine didn't actually get to see that money. It was uh, disappeared between, the, you know, between leaving here and getting there. And so that's why it was brought up as far as the investigation and the court hearings that they were having in Ukraine. Um, the documents show that the Burisma itself um, was under Poroshenko, that corruption scheme that they had going. And what was going on there is Ukraine has enough natural gas to, you know, give to all of the people that live there for free like Libya. But when the corrupt government had come in, um, which was Obama's guy, <laughs> because basically we were involved in that coup, um, they took over the energy companies and they started charging their customers, the, the residents there, uh, you know, more, a heck of a lot more money. And so what Biden did, he also had, um, not tempered, but made a deal between him and um, Syria to charge more money. So basically the people of Ukraine were suffering under this president, that president that was corrupt, not the one that's here now, but the one before him. And it would cost him, it was even cheaper for them to purchase it from Russia gas to, to cook with, to live with. And it was, you know, it's cold there, but uh, that's how much they were charging them in their own country. <laughs> and Biden was a part of that. And so I think that's why his son needed to be on that board to oversee all of that. Um, there was an investigation done. Again, it was 2014, 2015, and 2016. I'm sorry, it was $1 billion per year. I just found it again. Uh, the investigation showed that the documents were falsified. The money was transferred to Ukraine and stolen. The investigators tracked each payment, discovered where the money went, where it was spent, and how it was stolen. And as a result of October 2018, the U.S. Department of Justice opened a criminal case for abuse of power and embezzlement of American taxpayer money among the accused. There were two um, consecutive finance ministers of Ukraine, Mrs. Natalie Ann Juresko, who served 2014 to 2016, and Mr. Alex uh, Deneluk, who served 2016 to 2018, and three U.S. banks. And the investigation caused the USED to cease issuing grants since August 2019. As uh, Trump said, now the U.S. does not give away money and does not impose democracy. Because that fund was created to, um, to spread democracy, the USED, which they were, that money was supposed to go into each billion of those three billion. And they never made it. <laughs> so 
So what's going on there? Why aren't our people picking it up? Why isn't Barr picking up the OIG's recommendations to prosecute Hillary? Why is he just letting these people go? Why is he letting Comey go? I mean, what the hell? Yeah, that – that yeah. No, no, don't be sorry. I, I agree with that. See, that's why – see, when you read that and you talk about that, that is why – I mean, he, he, I, mean I, I had a lot of like, oh, yeah, maybe Barr and Durham's going to – you know, come up with stuff, and you know, maybe they're just, you know, keeping their powder dry for after the impeachment. You know, and mm-hmm. then you, you know, but the thing is, is no, but you reading that, and, and the thing about Comey, and, and some of the other things that you know we, we heard out there, or maybe even not heard yet, uh, mm-hmm. it, it makes me wonder. I mean, especially what you just read about, especially Comey. I'm like, how, how, you know, and I mean, and especially when. You know, he came out and, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, us being committed suicide. What? Remember when Barr came out and said, oh yeah, there's no reason for me to believe that Epstein didn't commit suicide. Like, what the? What the hell are you talking about? You know. And yeah. so, I I just don't know how much we we really how much how much faith we can really put in Barr. I'm not saying he's a deep stater. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying he's He's secretly pro-Democrat or pro-liberal. I'm not saying like that, uh, but I'm just wondering if he's actually going to do the job that needs to be done. And if he doesn't, why? Why doesn't mm-hmm. he do it? Because you know, we, I mean, we need to find out why why he's not. Because we, we, we just, I, I don't get it. I mean, if, as I said, if nothing happens, all I'm telling you, if nothing happens, all America should be pissed off. Because something yeah, something should happen. I mean, into that. yeah, yeah. And if not, then everything still stays the same. And what what is that? You know, after spending all exactly. this money to have it shoved in our face, say, uh huh, this is what we've been doing behind your back, and we're going to continue to do it. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, geez, yeah, man. yeah. What's it and, deter them? Yeah, what's it deter them from continue? Yeah, what's it deter them to continue it? I mean, we need to see actual people like Comey and and you know get get what you know get justice. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. going to see. I mean, if we don't see something, I, I just don't think there's going to be any justice at all. And then you're right. I mean, there's going to be no deterrent for them to to stop doing it. I mean, oh, 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 we got caught. So what? Oops, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. Oh, just... we got investigated. Oh, it's in the news. Okay. Yeah. When the next scandal comes up, they'll forget all about this one. I want to get down to the bottom of this. I want to find out what's going on, if anything went on. Uh, Yes, the president was uh, wiretapped or surveilled, um, but I want to look into it more. Okay, so now you've looked into it. We've got the first OIG report. Now we're waiting for Durham's. Guys are traveling the world. Okay, cool. Um, And so far, what we've gotten from the OIG as far as his recommendations, for some reason you've chosen to look the other way and give no explanation for it. So, you know, and then we've got the Ukraine or Ukraine over there having their court cases and all this stuff is coming out. Why isn't that? Why aren't you speaking about that? I mean, here the president is being impeached for nothing when you have something on a man that's running for president. Where is our Justice Department? <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's. I mean, they're, they're, I, and they're deeply and they're deeply entrenched, and mm-hmm. that, you know. And as I said, I mean, I don't. I, I for me, no pun intended, but the jury is still out on Barr. As I said, I mean, I don't think he's you know the deep stater per se, 
But it makes me wonder why he's. I mean, because even when they met, look, going back to the, you know him saying, "Oh yeah, I believe Epstein was you know committed suicide." I mean, look at those uh, look at those video clips again. Look at his face. Uh-huh. You can just look at the guy's face and know that he knows it's bullshit. But why he comes out and says, oh, yeah, this is – it's bullshit, and we know it, and he knows it. But yet he's following the narrative, which makes me wonder why. Is he using it as a ploy to somehow come up with something, or is he – you know, somebody got – I'm not saying somebody got something over over on him. But, I mean, I just – it does beg to why. And then well, it's more than a coincidence. You, you, they're investigating Robert. all this other stuff. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it's more than a coincidence. I'm sorry. I was just adding to what you were saying. It's more than a coincidence that the two reports prior to uh, Gowdy doing any of his Benghazi reports, but even still, with her deleting all of this, never nothing as far as her doing anything wrong, and then Epstein committed suicide and we know the Clintons and Epstein were tied together and then Barr agrees with that. I mean is it coincidence or I mean geez, I mean if it is that's a hell of a coincidence. That's luck buy me a lottery ticket. <laughs> I mean there's more to that than just those two, but those are the two main that stand out for me that questions Barr's integrity. Uh, being he worked under the Bush administration, under the Obama administration, being that he's brothers like besties with uh, Comey and the rest of them, Mueller and stuff, you know. So I think he's basically stringing us along. I'm not saying Durham is. Durham has a better reputation as far as his integrity goes. But um, Barr could string Durham along since he's his superior and um, maybe gather all that information and then say, well, you know, the American people don't need to know all about this. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll just let him know about the, you know, a few little things that occurred, let him know we took care of it, and, uh, yeah, have a nice day. <laughs> anyway, right. Oh, we, yeah. At least we investigated it, really. I mean, yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of frustrating. I mean, you know, and, that, and that's the, the, the hypocrisy about it. It's sort of like, oh, the American people deserve to know. American people deserve to know. It's bullshit. I'm tired of you. I'm, trying, I'm tired of you trying to feed that to us when, you know, you know, the Democrats and liberals always talk about being woke. And I really think that the American people, at least I hope, are becoming more more woke about about the government. And I mean, and I used to be as a as a younger person thinking that you know uh, the government and its institutions were good things to actually try to you know you know help people and, and make things run run well. But now I'm, just, I'm not now, but I mean it's been you know a couple of years that I'm I'm really starting to think that. Well, maybe maybe more than a few years, but but anyway, it just uh, my my concern is this, is yeah, this, things are just going to go back to status quo. No one's really going to be uh, you know held accountable. No no one. I mean, Schiff isn't going to for his lies. You know, you're not going to get you know any any accountability for that. Uh, you're not going to get any accountability for the people who created this, you know this the dos the the, the steel dossier. You know, none of that's going to happen. Um, you know, it just, you know, again, I think that's to just make it look like they're going to do something and they are doing something, but eh, in reality, they're really not. And, and nothing's going to happen. That that That's my biggest concern on that. Yeah, but Rob, can I jump in? Go ahead, John. Yeah, see, to me, a lot of that, and take everything I say with a grain of salt, I only see myopically because there's so much out there. There's no way I can know that much. But 
in my humble opinion, this is all about deception. And the more you try to contact your congressmen and senators and actually get a redress of grievance, and you get nowhere with it, and only it seems like the influential, the certain groups, you know, whether you want to call them class, socioeconomic groups or whatever, get actual remedy, and the others just get the blind eye or, you know, pushed to the side, uh, disenfranchised. They're just, nobody pays attention. If you call, you know, they just let it fall on deaf ears and move on. You're just a joker. That's why I keep thinking about this psychological thing and the probable cause requirements of effectively maintaining what the true balance of how to justify moving forward with a search warrant for an investigation. It's just like these red flag laws coming out. Now it's like, hey, if so, if your next-door neighbor just gets hacked off at you just because they don't like you politically for whatever reason, they say, hey, man, I've seen my next-door neighbor. He's actually sexually abusing his daughter, so you guys need to go check that out. And because the whole probable cause, that threshold of information or evidence, whatever you want to call it, since I'm not Mr. Know-it-all and don't understand always the right words to use, gets so watered down, and it's continued to be watered down since at least the 60s and 70s. I do have people involved in the legal industry in my family as well as law enforcement, so I kind of have an indirect understanding of some of this stuff, and that's why it bugs me so much. Uh, maybe that's not why it bugs me so much, but anyway, it does bug me. But I keep seeing it being watered down, and you, just like what you were saying, certain groups of people, whether you want to call them a certain class and the other class, it's like multiple different types of rule of law. This particular group gets this rule of law, and this particular group over here, B group, gets a different you know, rule of law, and group C gets a different rule of law. And I see that happening more and more, and so now the people that like Comey and, and whoever else you were talking about earlier that may just get us, you know, uh, go ahead, this is no big deal, move on, you know, don't worry about that, and, and Hillary Clinton and whatnot, they move on doing their business and stuff. But if they they point at you a finger and say something to the right agency or whatnot, then you got a SWAT team knocking down your front door and you're being reamed clean of all of your money and your savings and everything just trying to defend yourself because you don't have the same access to the resources they do and they purposefully use their influence with the conspiracy, as you said. It's not a conspiracy. These multinational corporations and the captains of industry actually are using these people like pawns in the scam in order to manipulate the rules and laws to get these kind of favored situations, and they know how to hire the right lawyers in order to get that return that they want because the trial lawyers and the judicial system is a bunch of buddies to protect their power, just like the taxing authority and the uh, you know insurance in, uh issues and all these other military industrial complex, these particular different factions of people protect their interests at all costs. And that they want to continue to water this stuff down so they can just use any excuse to, you know, ramrod and run roughshod over the weaker. So it's the strong eating the weak and Trump is just challenging that whole system. And like I said before, I'm not sure that if he's actually just a kabuki theater puppet, you know, playing his part to throw us off 
and they're using him and he knows what's going on and they know what's going on, or if he really truthfully is challenging the system, and I tend to think about that more because I think there's more credibility in him truly challenging the power structures of all of these governments all over the world as well as here in America than, than the other. But I'm still not convinced either way. But the people who are in those different agencies and those positions who are connected to the influence of power and whatnot, they don't like what he's doing, and they want to use all these systems to try to manipulate him the best they can and still make it look like it's lawful and legal. But the majority of most Americans, if you go out and talk to them, they really don't understand that. They want something fair based on their unfair, biased idea of what makes something fair. That's why, in your mind, um, Rob, it's okay for people to take other people's tax money and spend it on the space balls force, you know, whereas I think that's theft. That's where everybody's got a different idea of where that threshold of what's fair and, and not fair falls. And we all want to judge everybody based on our own personal bias perspective. And I've had to change mine over the years because I was in that same boat and I'm still to, in certain areas probably on that same boat. And that's why I have to um, rely on people such as yourself and other people in my sphere of influence to check me challenge my thoughts and stuff at times to help me realize the hypocrisy that's in my own life in order to clean up my own act. But thanks for the time. I appreciate it, Rob. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, I mean, I mean than ever, than it's all theft. I mean, I mean, any taxation, uh, than any and all taxation, you know, at least the income tax maybe, but I don't know about sales tax, but then it's all, it's all theft. And, I mean, in or using it is all theft. I mean, you're going to pay for, you're going to be paying for something. I mean, there's no way that anything can, can be paid for uh, that someone is not going to disagree with. Um, and I see it's about quarter till uh, to the hour. I'm probably not going to get to most of that, uh, that article. Once. There's only about, mm, uh, about 11 minutes that I have to, uh, close things out. So, uh, with that being said, is uh, you know, go go to, to the uh, the Bard's Logic of Political Talks website. Go to the newsroom. It's it's at the top of the page. It says how Frank Biden leveraged his famous name uh, for business gain. Um, and then uh, a couple other articles I think will be of note uh, to read on there. Um, is this one? Uh, you, no, if it's let's see, it's a report, so maybe it's not uh, that long of an article. But th- this should make people happy. Um, yeah, it's not uh, it's not that long. So this one would make me happy. Says so report: AOC may lose seat in 2020. Dems could remove her district. <laughs> That'd be great. This is on December 31st. So this is a little month old that this article, but yay. It says, it's no secret that Democratic lawmakers have grown tired of socialist representative Exalia Ocasio-Cortez and their never-ending stunts. And a rare opportunity could give Democrats the chance to remove her from office without a single vote being cast. Uh, poster Frank Luntz took uh, to Twitter to share a rather harrowing reality for Ocasio-Cortez, saying, New York is expected to lose a House seat after the 2020 census, and state Democrats are looking to draw out AOC's district. <laughs> the 2020 census is coming, which means that over a quarter of those living in Ocasio-Cortez 
district or illegal immigrants with no legal right to live in America. As such, Ocasio-Cortez district may ultimately be redrawn, and she may be pushed out of her congressional seat. God, that would be freaking hilarious. Anyway, it says here's the details from the city. For Ocasio-Cortez, a, force, a full census count is more than a matter of making sure her district gets uh, all the funds and services it's due. In a sense, her own political fortunes can hang in the balance. A review by the city – I guess it's a publication or something – voting on data and analysis by the Texas Tribune suggests Ocasio-Cortez district could be particularly vulnerable to undercount because a little of a quarter of those living there are non-citizens. Uh, so, so I guess she really is a representative of their of, of her people. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> so that's a higher percentage than any other congressional district in the state. A census undercount of Ocasio-Cortez district and elsewhere in the state could lead to the elimination of a congressional district districts potentially setting off political charge redistricting battles. Um, the entire situation is remarkable. It's certainly ironic and quite hilarious, which I agree with. So the same lawmaker who has been encouraging mass migration to America could lose her congressional seat in 2020 because of it. <laughs> you know what? Uh, one thing I'm a big fan of, and I basically am just <clears throat> blown off some, some steam here, uh, like a stress. But one thing I'm personally responsible, uh, I mean, uh, I personally like is, uh, you know, think that kind of. Oh, I, I just lost the frame. Uh, uh, poetic justice. That, that's, that might have been one of the terms I wanted to use, but I, I do like poetic justice because it's like, I mean, that's just great. You know, oh, yeah, all these flood in all these illegal immigrants, and, and then it might actually cost her her seat, which would be wonderful. And then I'm, what I might actually do is I, I know I really don't have any desire to go back to New York except. Actually, maybe go up inside uh, the Statue of Liberty because the last time I was there, um, I didn't get the opportunity because it wasn't that long after 9/11. But one one of my dreams, I think this is going to be on my bucket list, which isn't very long, and I got plenty of time to to, to to check things off. But I would love when if that seat gets redistricted and she loses her seat, to find the bar that she's going to be being a bartender at and order a drink. From a good <laughs> and not even tipper. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be great. So she's got to go back to tending bar. Now, will that ever happen? Probably not. I doubt if she's going to be a pariah um, when, if that happens. Let's say when it happens. Let's be positive. Um, but gosh, that'd be hilarious. Um, but I do see I've got to close things out in about six minutes. So that gives each of our callers here two minutes for closing statements. Again, I have a feeling this would have been another show I could have done at least another hour, <laughs> but unfortunately we don't we don't have that. So again, you know, folks, I appreciate you know if you got the link tonight. Uh, if not, uh, you can find the link on Blog Talk Radio. You know, you can look up Art's Logic. Uh, get the link for tonight's show. Send out to people on your Twitter, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your emails. You know, because I mean, seriously, I mean, we're, we, a lot of the things we've talked about tonight, you're, you're not hearing on on the larger news uh, news networks and, and and shows and things of that nature. And I think if people talk more about, hey, look, this is more just Hunter Biden. I mean, we got Frank Biden, you know, as well that's benefiting from, you know, from it. Then I think people will be seeing more of a trend. Like, hey, wait a minute, maybe we should look more into this because it's not just 
you know, Hunter Biden and Burisma and stuff like that. And so, you know, if people do that, would be great. So each person's got about um, not quite two minutes, maybe a minute and a half, and then I'll have to close things out. And um, we'll start with uh, you, Suzette, and then John, and then Kelly, and then I'll close things out. Again, each person has about uh, two minutes, uh, so go over to you, Suzette. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for a great conversation. And, uh, Robert, thank you for taking my call and making this platform possible for all of us to speak out and to inform and to be informed. Um, thank you again. Back to you. Okay. Well, that, um, I appreciate that. You know, as always, Suzette, and, uh, you know, and you, and you, and you still, you're still doing your show, correct? Yes. And if you want to give it a, a shameless plug right now, you, you're, of course, welcome to do so. All righty. Well, thank you. Uh, it's Suzette Live Talk on Spreaker.com, Spotify, uh, Deezer, and, uh, oh, iHeart <laughs> Radio, 5 p.m. Tuesdays. That's Pacific Standard Time. Uh, again, Suzette Live Talk. We discuss the loop poop, the poop of loop going on in the country right now. So join me. Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. She's at Live Talk on Spreaker.com. And, and, and nothing with 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 Spreaker is that is, is that something that Spreaker gets you to those other platforms like iHeartRadio and things of that nature. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it, you get to I the can, other ones through Spreaker. Yes, I can simulcast through all of those that I just named plus more. I just couldn't re, couldn't remember all the names, but yes, I can simulcast on all of them or just podcasts and just it'll be on their archives. So yeah. Yep. Yep. There's a page where you just click where, where you want it to go and it will send the feed wherever you want it to go. Huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Huh. I, yeah. I don't know if, um, I mean, I know there's different podcasts and stuff like, I mean, I, I there's a podcast uh, app I have on my phone uh, that you can, you can get the, uh, you can get Bard's logic. Uh, so, but I, I, don't, I don't, I haven't seen it on iHeartRadio. There might, there may or may not be a way to get get it there from from here, from Blog Talk. It's something I've been meaning to to look into, but but haven't. Um, I know there's gosh, Blog I know Talk. I need to get on iTunes. You can be on iTunes through Blog Talk. So that's that's one. I'm sorry. iTunes through BTR. Oh, you you know, from BTR to or to, or, or to BTR. From BTR to iTunes. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh, yeah, you have that little purple feed on your homepage there to the right. Um, there's a bunch of little icons there, and it'll be your feed, and then it'll say iTunes, and um, so you can set that up too, so it will go there. Hmm. And th- and that's on Spreaker, you said. Uh, no, no, BTR. I mean, I can do it. Oh, it's BTR too. Mm-hmm. I was just letting you know your capabilities on on BTR. Yes. Oh wow, yeah. Well, we'll have to definitely talk more about that all, all fair because that, that, that'd be a good resource, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. But let's go ahead and uh, uh, bring it in for you, John, and then Kelly, and then I have to close things out. Yeah, well, I appreciate everybody as well, and all the listeners out there. Definitely share with your friends and come be a part of the conversation and help us figure out how to make the world work better. At least, definitely start here in America, because we're supposedly the you know shining light on a hill and a beacon unto the world. And definitely, we got our problems. And if we don't figure out how to work forward, then these laws and red flag laws and all that stuff's going to just divide us more. So. 
We need your input because you matter just as much as anybody. You're just as valuable, just as significant, just as important, and just as worthy to self-determine your own burdens and encumbrances. Because remember, governing of you is your individual property, inalienable right you own. Nobody else, they don't get to dictate the governing of you unless they're your master. But anyway, thank you very much, and you have a great week. Back to you, Rob. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, thanks, John. Go ahead, Kelly. So there's an impeachment trial going on. Da, 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 da. Well, you know, a bunch of uh, people just want Trump out of office, so they make up a bunch of stuff, file some false whistleblower forms, commit perjury in doing so, all sorts of things. You know, and then it goes to the Senate, and it's in trial, and and obviously it just looks to me, I mean, I'm obviously speaking with confidence, Trump is not going to be impeached, but this whole process, you know what? Shift happens. <laughs> well, I appreciate Kelly and everyone, and uh, appreciate everyone coming uh, to the show tonight. But, Will, uh, of course, as always, uh, and tonight, uh, as I do every night, and that is uh, when I have the show, <laughs> and that is uh, with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And she's doing art now, so check out uh, – you could just probably Google her, you know, Aubrey, A-U-B-R-E-Y, and then Ashburn, A-S-H-B-R-N. I mean, I don't get any money from it, but, you know, just it's just kind of cool uh, to be able to, you know, put that out there for folks. And, uh, you know, one day I'd, I'd like to have a, a piece of her art, so I'd, I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, but, again, I'll end tonight as I do every night in this, with that song. And so, everyone, yes, everyone have a good week. Uh, let's hope um, – Things go through with this impeachment. We're able to you know, talk about things that actually uh, will help uh, the country. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next time, folks, and good night. Mm-hmm.